Death Star. That thing's operational. Dr. Banner. Now might be a really good time for you to get angry. That's my secret, Captain. I'm always angry. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of The Usual Podcast. Uh, we are here to introduce a panel, Will and I, we've been talking about in the last couple shows that we uh, that we were a part of locally. Yes. Uh, it was a lot of fun, so uh, we're here just to introduce that. Of course, I am Marshall, and I'm joined by Will. Say hello, dude. It, it was nice of you to finally get that out. Yeah, well, uh, I'm your host, Marshall, and with me is my co-host, Will. Say hello, buddy. Hi, everybody. <laughs> so anyway, like I said, we're here to introduce uh, this panel uh, we're just going to talk for a minute. Uh, the panel went really well. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was cool. I, li- I, I wish he had done trivia on the second night. Yeah, the trivia was pretty fun. I thought you'd like that. Um, so the sound quality is decent. Uh, there's, of course, some pops with people moving mics and stuff like that. So, But we just hooked it up to their sound system so you can hear everybody very clearly. Yes. Uh, except for the one student. <laughs> uh, yeah, at the beginning of the first <laughs> night, one student forgot that he was holding a mic and just had it down by his leg until yeah. his friend put the, the, his mic in front of the other guy's face. So... So, and this was a lot of fun. It was basically the digital arts department at the high school south of us. Yes. Uh, and it was hosted by Marshall Brown. Uh, Will and I were both on the panel with a couple of students uh, from Mendocino High School. And actually, an uh, old friend of my sister-in-law, Drew, um, who happened to be friends with the, the guy who hosted it as well. Uh, so, it, it, you know, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, basically, we're just here to introduce that. This is going to be our main show for the week. Uh, well, not really, because we're going to come back on Thursday <laughs> and uh, and record a reaction for The Force Awakens. So. This is going to be our long show, I guess. Yeah. So th- um, Also, just a quick shout out for Marshall Brown. Uh, he does a morning show called uh, Coffee with Brown Sugar. Oh, yeah, that's right. That that's is one of the best name. titles. So just a, a quick shout out for him. I'm sure if you Google it, you'll find out where it is, because it's on their uh, high school radio station's website. Yeah. And this was our first time doing a panel like this. It was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that one day we'll be on more panels. Yeah, it's for <laughs> uh, five years from now when we're uh, when we're hosting the Kevin Smith panel. Well, obviously. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, lofty goals, buddy. <laughs> uh, so anyway. Uh, okay, we... six, six years. Okay, six. Maybe seven. One other thing I want to say. During the second day, I actually um, made a mistake. I was fishing for a, uh, we were talking about, Ex, you know, factions outside of the Republic and the Empire. And At this time, <laughs> usual podcast quality control team would like to point out that Marshall made a mistake this week. I made a mistake, and Will <laughs> agreed with me, and it was fine. Nobody else knew on that panel knew what we were talking about, but I referred to the Star Wars annual instead of the awesome badass ninja from the Kanan comics. So yeah, that's you, what I meant to say. And you'll get a better description of, of the difference between those two comics in our one-shot uh, issue two, which right. will be released next Monday. Yeah, and that's going to come out very soon. So we are gonna have a lot of content for you this week. This show is up. You'll get a reaction show, Force Awakens reaction show. You'll get a one shot, and then we'll record our main show, chock full of pop culture news, probably more Force Awakens stuff, and definitely, hopefully, there'll be something going on. In yeah, Solo and you're Club actually Island. also going to get my Golden Globe special, which I'm going to be hosting with my sister. Right. Um, and that we're actually going to be recording next week. So we pushed it off a little bit, but you're going to be getting that out and it's going to be talking about my contest. Cool. So we'll stop talking and, uh, definitely enjoy the panel. If you liked it, let us know what you think. And, uh, and we'll we try will, to do more. Yeah. And we'll see you all next week. No, we'll see you at the force awakens. Yes. Yeah. Two days, baby. Oh, and one more thing. Happy birthday to Will. Today's his 40th birthday. Make sure if you're listening to this, you give him a little shout out and tell him happy birthday. All right. We'll see y'all next week. Bye. 
Alright everybody, we're going to go ahead and get things kicked off here. Uh, I guess real quick I can do some introductions here real quick. Um, from the Fort Bragg Unified School District, uh, IT slash computer tech, we have uh, Will Griggs here, if you want to come grab a seat here. going to be a part of our discussion. Uh, uh, one of my good friends and used to be co-worker from Moody's Organic Coffee Bar, Drew Loudon. Okay. Also from the Fort Bragg Unified School District, teaches English and is also the golf coach, I found out last Wednesday. Uh, Marshall Carr, the other Marshall here. From Mendocino High School, Zeph Bishop. Also a student of the Media Lab here at Mendocino High School. And then last but not least, Tito Burgess from Mendocino High School. Also a student here for the Multimedia Arts Lab. Um, Here's the wonderful panel that we have assembled to talk shop about Star Wars. This is day one of two. Today we just wrapped up. Obviously, you were all here for the fun event. We just finished uh, all finished the sixth film, um, or episode six of Star Wars, uh, Return of the Jedi. Very wonderful film. And as Marshall stated, uh, it, he hadn't seen the uh, digital version in quite some time. the digitally remastered version in quite some time. So it was good to uh, kind of relive that experience. I think I hadn't seen it in a while. Too. No, it was, it was nice. It was new nice song, but not new Anakin. <laughs> right. We haven't got new Anakin yet. It's also weird hearing my name over and over again. And nobody's referring to me. So uh, I don't meet a lot of people with the first name Marshall. But thanks for having us. I appreciate uh, you inviting us on. And yeah, I, I, you know, we came in for the last 20 minutes. Um, I have that version on VHS somewhere, but I have no VHS player anymore, so I haven't oh. seen that version in a long time. So <laughs> there you go. It was cool. It's cool. funny, that's the version I grew up watching, because uh, when it came, came out, I went to see it as a kid, and that's what first started to get me into it, but... I've gotten so used to seeing the new episode or the new the new versions now that are out on Blu-ray. But like when he was throwing the emperor over, like in my head he was just screaming, waiting no! for him to say no right? the whole time. I was like, I just, it's kind of weird not seeing it. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, a few I can notice a few people in the audience noticed when uh, Han Solo sh- uh, did not shoot first when they were first down in uh, Tatooine. I think a few people were kind of like by a couple people in the audience. Did you mean me? That, well, yeah, <laughs> pretty much you. You were you? looking at me, kind of like, why are you showing this version? No, in this yeah. version, it's definitely you can definitely tell. <laughs> yep. Um, I wasn't sure what version you were showing, but I wore my Han shot first T-shirt just in case. There we go. That was perfectly timed. <laughs> um, real quick, do you want to tell the audience what you two do that's Star Wars related? Um, just kind of share that, kind of do a little little push there if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my uh, buddy Will and I, we do a podcast it's called The Usual Podcast. Uh, we talk about Star Wars The Old Republic, uh, Star Wars in general, and then geek and pop culture. But, I mean, we've had this show for now almost a year. Uh, we talk pretty much everything in geek culture, but we do focus on Star Wars for the most part. Um, both of us, we've found ourselves talking about Star Wars over and over and over and over again. All the time. And I'm like, dude, we should just do a show. And he's like, well, all right. So that's how it started. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We record once a week. Uh, you can catch us on iTunes and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, you can always skip the gaming portion if you don't play MMOs. But uh, we, we cannot be more excited about uh, The Force Awakens. And we plan to have several podcasts uh, after several viewings of that film. Sweet. Something to look forward to. Um, so speaking of that movie, we'll, we'll, that'll be kind of one of the last questions I'll pose to you guys here. Um, but I kind of wanted to take a, take a step back a little bit and talk about um, the original films, the original trilogy, episodes four, five, and six. Um, 
it being kind of a, a newer sci-fi film when it comes to the practical effects used and the, the cinematography, the editing, the story. It was all kind of new um, for the world when it first came out. So um, I wanted to talk about a few key things that helped really kind of drive that film uh, and the film series um, from beginning to end there. So the story. What were some of really the key elements to kind of to capture that audience and kind of make it, you know, what it was? Um, um, well, I think, you know, for me, the, uh, you know, he obviously was influenced heavily by a whole bunch of other artists, but mm-hmm. up until that point, you basically had a whole bunch of sci-fi that was really sci-fi, like yeah. Isaac Asimov and Philip K. Dick and all that stuff, and it wasn't really mainstream, where he basically took, a, you know, a saga and a western and everything and just put it in that universe, so it was much more relatable to a wider audience. Totally. Oh, and also, uh, you know, he uses Joseph Campbell's uh, Hero's Journey to framework the, the film. And, and it's one of the things that I teach English at the high school at Fort Bragg. And uh, I do a Hero's Journey slash anti-hero slash epic film. I threw a lot of things in there. Uh, but, you know, one of the things I focus on is the Hero's Journey and this idea of this, this framework that you can find in, uh, you know, Hunger Games and Avatar and Harry Potter and that kind of thing and and that for me you know the idea of this you know you start in the normal world but something happens and then that carries you into some place and you fall and you fail but ultimately you come back changed and so that's really what stood out for me um, following this this saga for as many years as I've had Well, I know the, the big thing that the one thing that got me into it when I was a kid is it's it's the accessibility of it. I mean, you're not, yeah, you're, you're in space and you're there's aliens everywhere and you're shooting lasers, but it doesn't. Don't forget the Wolfman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not unbelievable. You know, it's not a stretch of the imagination to be like, well, wait a second, why why is there gravity on that that tiny little ship flying in space? You know, it's not things like that. It's just you. It's there. And it's it's super easy to get into. I mean, he just did such a good job with all three movies, and, and you know the first one especially because it, no one had really done anything like that before. And yeah. the fact that he was able to carry that into seven now, you know, and plus everything else, all the books and comic books and card games and everything, like it was just. I mean, he he hit the nail on the head with it. Yeah, for all the flack that Lucas gets for being a poor screenwriter, which he is a very bad screenwriter, he is an incredible storyteller. He is. Well, I know that I grew up with the the original trilogy box set, like uh, Drew said, and I actually just don't know why I still like it. I mean, I mean, it's a good story and everything, and I, I love it. I just don't know like why I love it. Mm-hmm. It's just something I love and don't know why. It just strikes a chord. Yeah. Like how it draws parallels and stuff with uh, normal setting stuff. Like obviously the cantina music is just like normal jazz, but they have all these like funky alien instruments and all this kind of stuff they're doing. And it's like kind of almost like a western scene in the bar and stuff. Pretty cool. Yeah, it feels like something you could just like go walk into anywhere you are. I and mean, go go down to Texas and you'll find that, or you know something. <laughs> yeah, Han Solo's like a cowboy. <laughs> well, and I and I think about it. I was two years old when two years old uh the first movie came out two years before i was born i got that okay i'm an english teacher for a reason yeah <laughs> uh, but i could not imagine in 1977 seeing this film the original trilogy uh or you know a new hope i just couldn't imagine and and it blew people's minds and they just kept going back to the film you know 
And there's a reason that 40 years later we're still talking about this and we couldn't be more excited mm-hmm. for the franchise to evolve again. So Yeah. And again, and again, and again. And again, and again. And redo it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he, that he had such a wide-ranging and wide scope of an idea um, and he followed it up with Empire and Jedi. I mean, if he hadn't gotten more funding and, and decided to, to go ahead with the, the rest of the saga, it'd be the same thing as talking about Blade Runner. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that would, that would be cool if that had happened. <laughs> well, they're making a, they're writing yeah, a new Blade yeah. Runner now too. So. Huh. Can you uh, talk a little about his debt to Frank Herbert in June? Yeah. Talk talk about his debt to Frank Herbert to, 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 to Dune, Dune. Yeah. I never actually got into Frank Herbert, but obviously he does owe a lot to that. I mean, just the, I mean, even the way that Ralph McQuarrie designed Tatooine and and the way that the story is written and and escaping the planet and going up to the stars and everything is 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 heavily influenced by that. But again, I never got into Doom. Yeah, nor, nor I. <laughs> I didn't either, but you could definitely, I mean, knowing of it and, and what, like he said, you can definitely see the influences, but I'm not, I can't say I'm a Dune guy. Yeah, I, honestly, I think, I mean, you definitely see, see some stuff with, from Frank Herbert, but his biggest influence was Akira Kurosawa. Um, if you watch the, the Hidden Fortress, uh, mm-hmm. which was done in 59, I think, um, it's almost shot for shot in certain scenes. Um, the, uh, the Throne of Blood from 57 by Kurosawa uh, really influenced the original tri- or the prequel trilogy. So, um, you know, Kurosawa influenced a whole bunch of other people with Seven Samurai and stuff. So that, that was his biggest influence. And that's the main reason I have him as my podcast partner, to remember things like that. <laughs> it's always good to have a buddy in, the, in those processes. Plus, I'm the pretty one. Re- so, yeah, yeah, obviously. And you remember, he just remembers everything. So. Yeah. Um, themes, some of the themes that that kind of take place between episodes four, five, and six. Um, I don't know, maybe enlighten the audience if they didn't maybe didn't necessarily uh, see those themes right off the bat that you can compare and contrast to either books, uh, music, and or other films um, that George Lucas might have taken from as well. Well, as Marshall was really talking about, the, the biggest one is the hero's journey. Yeah, um, with Joseph, Joseph Campbell. Um, I'll go a little bit different and talk about John Williams, and uh, the music is seminal. Um, phenomenal. Yeah, it is phenomenal. It was actually uh, AFI rated it the greatest score of all time. Um, but you know, he was also heavily influenced by Gustav Holst, who is a, a French composer from about 100 years ago. Um, he did a piece of music called The Planet, so if you listen to um, the Mars section of that, it's almost identical to certain themes from, um, from the Star Wars theme. And then uh, he was also heavily influenced by Henry Mancini and John Philip Sousa and a whole bunch of other people. And then he influenced himself. Yeah. Because if you listen to Star Wars and then listen to Last Crusade, there's exact tropes that are reused. Yeah. Also in Harry Potter, Superman, everything he did, he well, reuses. Like you listen to any trilogy that Hans Zimmer did, half the time you can't tell who, which one it is. Yeah, Batman. Is it John Williams or is it Hans Zimmer? Yeah. <laughs> I love Hans Zimmer. Uh, I, I think one of the bigger themes, especially in A New Hope, is, re, uh, is redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in the original trilogy's redemption. And, and this idea that even though, and especially once you see the prequel trilogy, if, if you folks are here tomorrow, if you've never seen it, I'm sure you have, uh, seeing that full circle and knowing everything that Anakin did 
to that point and seeing that moment we just saw right now where Luke never gave up on him and said, no, you can come back. And thanking his son at the end and basically saying, this is, you know, I'm, I'm looking at you now and you, you know, say that you were right. Tell your sister you were right. And this idea that you can come back from even, you know, brutally murdering is the millions that uh, Anakin did and, and come back to it. I think that's, that's a huge, huge theme. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things about the prequel trilogy is that it really, well, it aims to flesh out the whole story of Anakin a lot better. The rise and the fall. Exactly, instead yeah. of just the fall. Mm-hmm. I don't know, for me, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of a minor theme, but um, it, this is mostly for, for Luke in the movie. He's got to, he goes, the first, the first movie, based, first two movies, he, he not knowing who Darth Vader is and he's got this immense hatred for the guy and then all of a sudden he's like oh you see he's actually my dad and he has to come to accept that but not only like accept it for himself but then he goes on and convinces Darth Vader that no you're you know that might be who you are right now but that's not who you are at your core you're still Anakin Skywalker so I mean it's, that's a big part of it that I've always taken away from it is just the acceptance of what Luke is able to do and then Leia too just that one scene oh okay I'm your brother yeah sure <laughs> Sounds yeah, good. Lucas was always uh, very adamant of saying it's really a story about family. Yeah. And it is. And, yeah. And he gets that from, he's heavily influenced by, by Francis Ford Coppola, who's very into the theme of family. So, Would you say that Luke had daddy issues? Uh, a little bit. A little bit. And that, might be, that might be a little bit of Spielberg's influence yeah, there, too. There you go. <laughs> well, he, he didn't really have daddy issues until he realized who his dad was <laughs> and then then they really just kind of kicked in mm-hmm. um so for like themes obviously the, the heavy one is like light and dark and good and evil both just like in the rebels and empire then like luke because he started his jedi training so late he's like conflicted and he's like seems like he might be going to the dark side near the end of the movie and he's like brutally beaten down on vader and then he's like oh dang He's got my robot <laughs> hand, just like me. Just, and he's like, yeah. That's one thing I love about the, the the light side and the dark is that you know you have some very clear contrasts of you know Emperor Palpatine or Darth Sidious, or as opposed to Yoda, who are very clear opposites. But you have you know it's not like two sides on a side of a canyon. It's really a tightrope down the center that you see certain Jedi and Sith that walk that. Yeah, they kind of waffle on either side. Cool. Well, let's see here. Um, kind of thinking about trying not to spoil the end of the episode three for tomorrow, but kind of just thinking about the end of episode six when um, Vader is trying to, uh, Vader and Palpatine's trying to get um, Luke to join the dark side. And you kind of think back to the, you know, the prequel trilogies um, and when Anakin was in that same spot. Um, where do you think um, I guess what was different then than it was in the future that's what I'm talking about so, between, uh, between the Anakin and the, the Luke situations yeah, well, so I mean, really, situations. really there was nothing because all Emperor Palpatine is trying to do is he's just trying to establish his credibility as a ruler and he wants minions and he's not he's not doing it for the betterment of at that point, Anakin, or you know, if if and when he finally gets Luke to join the dark side, um, he's only doing it for himself. Like that's he's not 
he doesn't care. They're just tools. They're pawns to be used. Yeah, and without spoiling anything from the prequel trilogy, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he doesn't seem to care. At, 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 there's a certain moment where Anakin replaces someone that's working for him, and he's like, all right, yeah, end him, yep. so let's move and, on. And then he's forgotten. Exactly. It's not, it's not about... It, you, you don't ever have to wonder what side Palpatine's on, and that's one of the... Going back to the themes, you know, there's... His own. Yeah, well, I mean, it's good, bad. You know, Palpatine's the bad guy. And, you know, it's... It's what we do when we're faced with temptation. You know, uh, we all see, we see, well, you, well, you'll see tomorrow what, what Vader or what Anakin does with temptation, but mm-hmm. Luke definitely takes a different decision. He has that moment. He's standing there and he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, and so I think that's, that's the big difference between the, the two situations, but um, Palpatine doesn't care how it pans out as long as he's in there at the end. Yeah. Two things. Uh, the, the one major difference between the the Anakin and Luke decision is that even though Anakin also didn't find out until he was a little bit older that what the the Force was, once he did, it was a for all the you don't be afraid. Yoda and Windu and everybody kept saying, "Be afraid of the dark side." Yeah, be afraid. Yeah, so somebody for a side who it preaches themselves on not being afraid. They were instilling it like crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when he got to that temptation, that confrontation, he already knew that they were so powerful. Yeah. Whereas when Luke matched, matched up with it, he knew that Vader and the Emperor in, in personally were, were powerful. They, he didn't have the awe-inspiring nature of the dark side yeah. power. Um, also, if you delve more into, the, into the, uh, the canon, you find out about Darth Bane's rule of two. Which is that there's, and they, they mentioned this in episode one, so you'll get to that tomorrow, but I mean, not that specific thing, but the rule that there's always an apprentice and a master, and that is also mentioned in Empire. Um, but the point of the apprentice is to usurp the master, always, in, in any master and apprentice uh, relationship. And, but the master always wants the strongest apprentice. So there, he's a, the master is always going to be playing off two people trying to get the most powerful. And you get that with Luke and Vader. Yeah. In the next, in the prequel trilogy, you'll get that with Dooku and Anakin. Mm-hmm. You also got it with Maul and Dooku. So, yeah. Well, another uh, another difference Luke and Anakin had was like the setting they grew up in. Like I know Luke grew up with his aunt and uncle, where Anakin grew up with his mom as a slave. And then there was the tipping point for Anakin, which is a spoiler kind of, and I'm not going to give away. But um, something that happens with his mom that kind of like could be seen as a big push. Like, yeah, a big push for it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit funny where uh, he sees like his aunt and uncle and, and they're dead, and then later he's like, I miss Ben. Like he's forgotten about his <laughs> aunt and uncle. <laughs> it's actually, that's actually pretty funny. I hadn't thought of that before. <laughs> but I mean, even though, yeah, he did the whole thing with his mom, with for Anakin and his mom, um, Luke and Anakin's upbringing almost mirror each other i mean the same things almost happen to each other at almost the same points in their lives a little bit different but it's how they deal with those situations is how what informs their decision later i think the major difference between his aunt and uncle and you know obi-wan though and i like what you said I think it has to do everything with the fact he was trying to leave his aunt and uncle for all those years. Yeah. And then, okay, they're dead. Now I can leave. And now I have this person, the mentor figure, and then, you know, talk about the hero's journey again, but the mentor figure taken away from him so quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, you like to think he thinks about his aunt and uncle sometimes too, but 
but the mentor figure right now in that port, in that uh, particular moment is is what he needs because he wants to be uh, what he thinks he can be like his father. He seemed really unfazed, actually. Like, like they died, and that was kind of the end of it. That of, was an emotional moment. Yeah, yeah it was. But then he, he just he just drives back to, yeah. to Obi Wan, and, and there you go. Yeah, like Tito said, he like later, and I know in some of the expanded universe stuff, he's like, I miss Ben, but I'm not going to talk about my aunt and uncle because they don't matter. But even though ben. they raised me, yeah. Ben. All right, I'm going to take a quick step out of canon here, but during the wasteland of Star Wars in the, the late '80s, early '90s, when there was nothing for almost two decades. There was a famous show on TV called Cops, and I think it's still on the air. But there was a fan film that was made called uh, called Troopers, and it was a cops themed short film centering around stormtroopers that were based on Tatooine. And I love it because they came up with a story that you actually find out that uh, Beru and, and uh, um, Owen were actually domestic violence partners, <laughs> and that it wasn't stormtroopers who killed them. They actually show up and find that yeah, we've been called out here way too many times, and finally Beru just got a thermal detonator that went too far, and you actually find out it was a it was a it was a murder suicide plot. <laughs> And that it's might, a little bit of a step out of canon, man. Yeah, exactly, but, it, but see, it explains why Luke had no feelings to it, because he grew up in such a tragic household. Uh, <laughs> that is one way to look at it. Wow. <laughs> Since we were talking about Obi-Wan Kenobi there for a little bit, um, you train Anakin up, and then you lose him to the dark side, and then you look at this kid, Luke. How do you... Where do you... Where, you know, well, I mean, how do you he, feel about Luke kind of not going? He, in that he spent same his path? whole. I mean, he he took he took Luke to his aunt and uncle, and he yeah. stayed on Tatooine, watching over Luke and like from a distance. He he spent his entire adult life basically living as a hermit on this, you know, on this planet that's just inhospitable to, to everything. You know, helping out here and there, dealing doing disputes with the Tusken Raiders and whatnot. But he just he sat there and made sure Luke stayed out of trouble and he had a good upbringing. And so, I mean, you. He has to have this emotional attachment to this kid that yeah. he, he's watched. He literally took him from his mother to where you know he was born and raised, and then watched him from the his, you know the moment he was born until the moment that Obi Wan died. He was he was there watching the whole time. So there, there's you know there's got to be something as you far know. as emotions. Yeah, and and you know talking about stepping out of canon just a little bit though. John Jackson Miller wrote a book called Kenobi. Um, that I wish was actually canon because it talks about uh, Ben Kenobi uh, on the planet watching over Luke as a young child and what he's doing on that planet while he's supposed to be looking out for Luke. But yeah, I mean, you watch anybody for a certain amount of time and you t- after watching Anakin's fall, deciding to take on this son from afar, I think, you know, and mentoring him without him knowing, I think that's there's there's a huge attachment there, um, right, I, and that's, which is why he sacrificed himself uh, on the Death Star. Well, I've got, we uh, we've been throwing out this term canon. Do you guys all know what that means? You yeah, I was just about okay. to state right. that. Just make sure it does not mean canon physically. Just yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. We're not talking about we're not talking about an actual canon. Do you want to say what canon is yeah. real quick? Right. Can. Uh, canon is what is accepted and true as being part of the lore by Lucasfilm, and then everything else is called legend status which is anything that was part of the accepted extended universe but is not considered canon now, 
and then you have fan fiction and stuff like that. Legends all over. Well, sadly, you know, books like Plagueis and Kenobi are legends, but um, the new canon, it's, it's, some of it's pretty decent, but all the comic books now, all of the novels going forward, the, you know, uh, kids' chapter books, everything from here forward since Disney bought Lucasfilm is all considered actual canon. Yeah, once Disney bought Lucasfilm, the only things that they, when they reset canon, it was just the six films and the Clone Wars movie and the Clone Wars cartoon. Now we have, uh, you know, Star Wars Rebels, all the new books, all the comics, everything now is all part of that universe. So, And kind of going back to Kenobi really quick, I think his whole thing with him on Tatooine is his own journey of redemption for losing uh, Anakin to the dark side. Yeah, it was his own self-imposed exile. I mean, yeah. He's definitely trying to make up, oh, absolutely. up for it. Who's your favorite character and why? Didn't see that one coming out, buddy. No, no. <laughs> Jar Jar. He's trying to start a riot or what? <laughs> I see the pitchforks already. Favorite character. That's a tough one. That's tough. I figured I'd put you on the spot. I mean, well, that's, well, it's easy for me. I mean, it's Darth, it's Darth Sidious, Emperor Palpatine. That's my favorite character by far. He, um, you know where he's coming from, and he is—he's basically this this all-powerful god, and and he started, you know. As a kid, going if you read the books, he he was this kid and he had a terrible upbringing and he, he you know he, he was a rich kid and his parents sent him to school and he did really good in school to not disappoint him but he just re, he hated his family so yeah, well, he goes from this this rich kid on this backworld planet to being the emperor of the galaxy just basically on his own so. yeah once you read Plagueis you really get an Plagueis insight into oh, yeah. who Sidious is but play, Darth Plagueis was Darth Sidious's. Uh, uh, master, master, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat a little bit. Uh, <laughs> and there, as far as since the is an original trilogy discussion, for yes. some, uh, Han Solo was always my favorite. One, uh, Harrison Ford's one of my favorite actors. Uh, but something about, I loved his sense of humor. I loved his his uh, sense of adventure. Swashbuckling, and he's just you know he's the man, right? Uh, but as you know, as I've dived more into the Star Wars universe now, and after the prequels and everything. Uh, Vader's my favorite character. Uh, and it, it has to do with... I, I always... I know. Because you've got an evil heart. I know, I'm evil. But, you know, but again, going back to what I was saying before, uh, you know, we all face problems and we all deal with things in a certain way. And he didn't always handle it very well. And he was never very nice about it. But at some point, he is redeemed. So uh, there's something about Vader that always... Uh, now, just, just after he became Vader or his whole, you know, Anakin journey, too? Oh no! Yeah, I mean, Anakin Vader. Yeah, I'll say that. So I'll, I cheated. I'll take, I'll take Clone cheated. Wars. Yeah, Anakin that's that's over. an acceptable cheat. Yeah. Don't worry. Clone Wars Anakin over the rest of it because prequel Anakin. <laughs> no, not prequel Anakin. <laughs> but Clone Wars Anakin is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't say he could act. I just. Yeah. Um, my favorite character is Boba Fett because he's just so cool. Like, was that part where uh, where Leia's like? Brings in Chewbacca and then she like looks over Boa Fett and he, like nods. He's like, "That was a pretty cool move with the thermodetonator." <laughs> and uh, also, there's that like whole stuff in the extended universe where like after he falls in the Sarlacc pit, he like shoots off his missile and the other guy rescues him, so he's still alive and he's mm-hmm. like still out there and getting a movie. Yeah, that's official canon yeah. that he's alive. Yep. Yeah. He does. He does not die. Really? Yeah. yeah. He got out. Yeah, he's in the uh, the new you know, game Battlefront. Look, man, nobody dies when they fall into a shaft or a hole in Star Wars universe. They always come out, <laughs> I mean, except for Palpatine. 
look at Darth Maul. Uh, you'll, oh, spoiler, yeah. Whoops. Maul came out too, by the way. Yeah, Maul yeah. lived. Dang it. Watch that. That's the He's got badass cyborg legs, by the way. Yeah, like robot spider legs. Spoiler. Crazy. Sorry, that's a spoiler. Yep. <laughs> just, We're just going to ruin it. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to go with Han. You have to go with Han? Yeah. I mean, it's a... It's a cop-out, really, but, yeah, I mean, I grew up with Harrison Ford. But, yeah, you can't it, have a space you, well, cowboy got, movie without... First of all, it's know. Harrison Ford. You can't go wrong with Harrison Ford. And, no. and Han's True. just, he's a man's man, you know? Yeah. He's just, well, yeah, but I mean, also, my favorite he's, movie he's cool. was, was episode five, and it's mostly because of Han and that relationship with Leia, how he turns into that leader after he goes and comes back in episode four, and, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. My favorite thing about episode five with, with Han is that in episode four, he goes, you know, there's... You know, no hooky religion is given. Yeah. You know, just to have a blaster at your side. And of course, first time he comes face to first and only time he comes face to face with Vader, bl- blaster gets yanked out of his hand. Yep. <laughs> he has no power whatsoever. He's all cool. But actually, I grew up more of an Indiana Jones fan than a Star Wars fan. I've become much more of a Star Wars fan later in life. But you know, growing up, Harrison Ford was the man. Totally, still is. Still, still is. Um, kind of talking about the expanded universe a little bit. Um, I personally have not delved into that that side of the world yet. Heir to the uh, Empire, so start there. Heir to the Empire. Thrawn trilogy, and you can be yeah. done after that if you want, but there's a lot of other stuff. Yeah, no, you've got to start with Timothy. any Timothy Zahn book, really. It's just the jumping off point. Something about that character, Thrawn, I mean, it's one of the first times you see the Chiss, and we play... Yeah, we yeah, play. We yeah, it is the first time. Yeah, yep. we play Star Wars: The Old Republic, and we you know we've been part of that community for four years, and I've played Kotor on these things, and every single character I have in that game is a chiss, and there's a reason. It's because of Timothy Zahn. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you read the Heir to the Empire trilogy by Timothy Zahn, you find out that Thrawn was uh, a chiss, which is a cold-blooded, blue-skinned, red-eyed alien humanoid. Race, yeah. um, Slick black hair. Yeah, basic speaking, still, but um, he's actually a, a, the highest-ranking. Alien in the Imperial uh, Army. Grand Admiral. Grand Admiral. And he's actually outside of the galaxy when Emperor Palpatine's killed. And that's why he survives and then he leads his own thing. And he comes back and he fights the... Uh, fights After these movies, he, he leads a campaign for the Empire against the, the New Republic after the, the Rebel Alliance comes and you know creates a new, a new, uh, new government. And it's just the, the adventure that spawns from that with Luke and Leia and Chewie and Everybody in the movies, it's great. Yeah, and even though it's considered legends right now, the, that's the cool thing is the way they set up the legend canon uh, delineation is that they can always pull from it if they want to. And there's a big push to try to get Thrawn into the, the new well, movies. they have already too. With uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Thrawn, that'd be awesome. Cool. Really, oh, that guy's that. amazing. Uh, well, that's well, the dream. <laughs> a man can dream. Uh, no, they've already pulled from uh, for Clone Wars. They pulled from the EU, the Night Sisters. Bane, Bane um, yeah. I'm sure I'm missing a few others, but just the rule of two. The rule of two. Those those are good examples of they can always go back to the EU and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring this in now mm. and make this part of the real canon, and then go from there. And I'd love to see Thrawn. Well, that yeah. kind of that kind of is what makes the movies into the extended universe back into what is now canon kind of amazing because you know there's this whole if you guys watch the cartoons the clone wars there's this whole story and it's in the prequel trilogy as well about the clone wars and it's this this huge what six seasons six season tv show and a movie and then it's in the prequel but the way that started is they you know it was just it was kathleen kennedy and george lucas and dave filoni and they're just sitting around a table and like hey what what should we do and i think it was kathleen kennedy who's now in charge of the star wars universe 
um, she was like, well, what about that one scene where they're on Tatooine and Ben's hut, and they're like, well, his dad died in the Clone Wars. What was the Clone Wars? And that was it. That's all they asked. They're like, what was the Clone Wars? And they made this whole thing. So they, they go do this, they, and they make this epic story because of one line that was said in the movie, and then they pull from that for the extended universe, and then now they're pulling back into it for the new movies. Well, and, then, amazing. and then, of course, Filoni is the brilliant man behind also what is Star Wars Rebels. If you're not watching that, you should be. Um, it's a phenomenal animated series that brings in all of these things. It's, a, it's phenomenal. Yeah, and if anything, I think Clone Wars redeemed Anakin from the, tri- from the prequel trilogy. Oh, for sure. I, I hated Anakin until I started watching that. And now Clone he's, Wars one of, yeah, he's one of my favorite characters. Yeah, and it gives us Ahsoka Tano and Asaz mm-hmm. Ventures and lots of other great characters. So... The hype that is that's coming next Friday, episode seven's coming out. Um, we're seeing it on Thursday. Yeah, you, you guys see it on Thursday. Saturday. So. I wish I could do that, but uh, you'll have to enjoy <laughs> the that whole party for me. Everything, man. Nope, it's gonna be Saturday. Saturday um, we already know a little bit about it, mainly just because Disney's released about eighteen minutes of um, spots, basically. So I don't know how mathematically how that uh, adds up, but over like you know thirty. 40 30 second tv spots um and people have been able to kind of like look at that and analyze it kind of go oh this and is happening they're still this showing very little <laughs> they're still exactly they're still showing very little um the big question J. J. Abram is <laughs> is uh i guess it's more of a speculation question but you know where do you think luke is in all this because he was actually featured in the second teaser um and it, i mean at least what looked like you know him well, we're assuming uh, it's him yes yes and that's all we've seen so far and yeah that was literally the first question we recorded like the day after that came out we watched it like a dozen times and talked about it that was what my first question I was like and of course that's the question a lot of us are asking he's not on the poster he's not in the spots he's not so I, I mean, but he we, signed on for an eighth film <laughs> right and so we also know he doesn't die yeah. so or uh, or he we comes back as a force ghost <laughs> we know that Mark Hamill is officially in yeah he, eight. he is he announced that last week mm-hmm. so um, we know he's going to be there you know, whether he's alive or a force ghost or major character, we just don't know. I don't know. I've, um, I've been avoiding everything. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, oh, since, the, those, since huh? the first trilogy, just because I wanted to go in and feel like a kid again when I saw it for the first time. So. I, I think I, I like that you're doing that. And even it was though, hard. It's really well, hard. Well, <laughs> and even though, you know, doing what we do, we have to watch these spots and stuff like that yeah. and, and analyze things. But all that said, I don't. We don't know that much. We can speculate, uh, but story-wise, we still don't know who's related to who. We don't know Ray's last name, although we can guess one of two probably. But yep. we don't know. We don't know a lot still, and so. And there's still so many announced characters that we haven't met. There's that as well. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o's. We've only heard heard her character's voice. We've only seen the back of uh, Domino Gleason's character. Mm-hmm. We haven't even met. Um, Andy Serkis's character. Oh yeah, we have no idea. And that's supposed to be like a. Uh, I hear isn't he the main? He pretty much just wore a CGI suit yeah. the whole yes. movie. Yeah. So it's a new. It's a new golem. So yeah. did Lupita Nyong'o. Star Wars golem. Yeah. yeah, you see. Actually, I think you see a little bit of Lupita Nyong'o in the Chinese trailer, which hit a couple days ago. So back to the speculation. I yeah. speculate. I'm speculating. Yes, that we like Luke, to do that. Uh, Luke's in exile somewhere uh, for some reason. Yeah, he's away from everybody for some reason, and at some point. He's going to come back. That's just the only, that's the only reason I can think of them not including him in anything is because we probably won't see him until the last chunk of the movie, maybe. Yeah, so I think third act somewhere. Third act yeah. So I, that's that's a safe speculation, but 
you know, you go on the internet and you can find all kinds of different stuff. But yeah, I mean, the main characters are obviously it. Ray and Finn, and so that's what it's going to focus on them. Um, yeah, so I'm I actually I, I doubt we're going to see any of the original three until at least a third of the way through the movie, and I think Ford's going to be first. Oh yeah, Ford will be I'll, first. I'll make a bet I think on that. they discover the Falcon. So. Yeah. Uh, have you guys been watching the trailers and stuff too? Or? Well, I, I I try to stay away, but sometimes you know when you're on Reddit, you kind of yeah. kind of have to see stuff here and there. <laughs> well, don't go to Reddit, man. That's the problem. That's yeah. Reddit is the black hole of the internet. <laughs> despite yeah. despite there being 18 minutes worth, it's just kind of the same thing over and over again, like reworked and the Millennium Falcon and the little ball droid. Well, and that's <laughs> fully on purpose too, and yeah. that's the thing. Thank God. <laughs> um, I I don't know what to think about Luke because I guess I guess I don't know what to think because I just try not to think because I really want to be surprised, mm-hmm. which is also kind of why I'm not watching anything. But um, I think I want to be surprised by a lot of what I've read already. Like shows him like starting the Jedi Academy on Yavin and stuff, and uh, like in the extended re- universe. Or yeah, and, like, yeah, yeah that's to, the extended universe. Yeah. Trying to like restart the Jedi Order, kind of. That's just all I've dealt into, though. There's also the speculation where he tries that and fails and maybe goes into exile. So yeah. I'm with you. I'd like to see huh. that, too. Yeah. That's, a, that's an interesting theory. I could, I could see his character doing that. I mean, he tries, tries to bring the Jedi Order back between the end of this movie and the beginning of the next one, the, the new one, and he fails and there's... Maybe he goes to study more. Yeah. Maybe he goes No more to Jedi some, and he's, yeah. he, he, he blames himself for being the next death of the Jedi Order and so he exiles himself and then although although you guys are trying to stay out of you know seeing things but we see uh, Boyega's character with a lightsaber so maybe going along with that theory maybe you know he's the new Luke is that a thing Mm -hmm. you know like the last of the Jedi even though he's really not we really don't know it's all speculation we don't know anything it's true JJ's it's a good thing he had us on this panel. He's good. Nothing. And I'm glad that he held off until giving us a lens flare until the new Chinese trailer. Yep. <laughs> Everyone. It was a pretty good lens flare, though. It was a really good lens flare. There was, uh, when it, news officially released that J.J. Abrams was going to be the director, um, there was a, a Reddit post, and it was a picture, and it was like the number one on the front page for like a solid two or three hours, and it was just like Harrison Ford's face with like a hundred lens flares <laughs> all over it. I, I couldn't stop but laugh That's for a few good. hours after that. Um, so yeah, I, good, I was good nothing but excited it. when I heard that J.J. Abrams is going to be the director because like I am not a Trekkie. I do not care about Star Trek at all, but those two Star Trek movies he directed were phenomenal. Really good. Yeah, he's a great. He he's, he's, brings the talent of Spielberg to directing with the storytelling that Lucas does. Yeah, he's he's their love child. And recently, uh, Ford Fisher and uh, Driver uh, were interviewed. Um, very canned, like. How was it to work with J.J. Abrams? Because, you know, there's only certain questions you can ask in those situations. But all every time they were asked that question about Abrams, they all, hands down, were like, he's wonderful. He, you know, his attention to detail, knowing the actors' names, wanting to be, wanting to make this the best film he can. And you see that in those Star, in those Star Trek films, man. I mean, I like Star Trek just fine, but those films were amazing. I'm a Next Generation guy, personally, but those films were great. And, and I had the same reaction when JJ's on board I'm like I'm in Disney I'm in yeah, yeah I think JJ's one of the few directors that could have brought Harrison Ford back because Harrison Ford did not leave the <coughs> Star Wars universe happily oh. yeah he I mean he actually wanted him killed in Jedi um, 
and he once said that he was never going to come back if they ever did it again. And, you know, they got him back not only to come back and die on camera, but to come back and actually live, which is even bigger. So. And break his ankle in the process. Oh, that was Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. He's a like plane crash. And a plane yeah, crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That poor guy. What I love is he broke his ankle because there was a Millennium Falcon that crashed and crashed. Oh, no. <laughs> he was walking through a doorway, and one of the doors collapsed on his foot. But speaking of Ford, though, I mean, you're right. And knowing that about, you know, not wanting to be really part of the universe and all these years have gone by, Mm -hmm. and when asked that question of, uh, you know, how was it stepping back into being on Solo? And he said, it should have been stupid. It should have been, I I should have felt dumb, but it wasn't. I mean, you see him tear up on the stage uh, with these other actors, and it's part of him now. And and you feel him kind of coming full circle and, and embracing it more than... We ever thought he probably would. Yeah, I was expecting his personality coming back to be more like Alec Guinness or Richard Harris and Harry Potter, people that mm-hmm. did it more for the paycheck and for the family pushing them to do it than the emotion that he's actually brought to it. So totally. I like it. Well, and that's, It's got to say something for, for him, too, because if you look at Mark Hamill's career and Carrie Fisher's career, really the only thing people know them for is for the original trilogy. And I mean, Harrison Ford, obviously, he's gone on. Although Mark Hamill is a the great voice oh, voice yeah. actor, he's the he's. Whenever he I think the of Joker. the Joker, the Joker is Mark Hamill to me. Hands down, best Joker. Uh, oh yeah, but you're watching Flash. Yeah, he's the trickster. Oh, he's, yeah, he's but good. Harrison Ford is definitely. I was thinking that when I was watching that. I'm like, hey, what are you? But um, so you have these these two. I mean, and they're not not famous. You know, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher definitely have their name out there, but that's who they are to most people. Is they're they're you know Luke Skywalker and, and Princess Leia. Whereas Han Solo, he's he went out and he, you know he did Blade Runner and he you know he did everything basically. Yeah. Well, he's and, Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's Harrison Ford. And and but to be able to go back to basically his roots and and be portraying where he started essentially with the people who are still those people and probably in, in their minds just as much as everyone else's. It had to have been a more of an emotional roller coaster than he could have you know even expected. Going it really back, does seem like... Oh, go, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. no. I, was, I was changing subjects. Go. No, go ahead. Oh, well, going back to the J.J. Abrams thing, I was like, as soon as I heard J.J. Abrams was directing, I was like, what else is it going to take from me? Because he, Star Trek, I liked Star Trek, which was crazy because I was never a big fan. And then he took Star Wars, so now I'm like... I'm like, back to the future, Doctor Who. What's what's he going to do? I don't know. I'm hoping for a... Uh, for a you can nix M. Night Shyamalan's version of The Last Airbender and go go for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, JJ Abrams. Now, now the that he's in Airbender. the Disney verse, he's uh, he, they're going to get him to do the next Indiana Jones. That would be good. I would be on board for that. But um, I was in already. My second thought was like, oh, what actors am I going to see rehash as the Star Wars characters? And as soon as I heard he was using a cast of basically unknowns, I got pretty happy. And then I found out he was using a. I'm gonna butcher his name, John Boyega. 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 As um Finn, and I know he was really good in Attack the Block, and that's all I know him for. But he was really good in that. Yeah. And Oscar Isaac was coming off an Oscar nomination, so yeah, that's that's the great Dri- thing. Driver's gonna be good. Yeah, Adam Driver's great on Girls. I mean, there's just so many. He went for relatively unknowns, but very talented unknowns. Which is like to, a George Lucas move. Right. Yeah, well, I mean, although Lucas with Phantom Menace brought in Hayden Christensen, who, although he's very wooden in his acting, there, he has some good uh, some good films, but Jake Lloyd, yeah. he just he did not bring good people. Mm. Even Natalie Portman, she's great now, 
not so great in the trilogy. Yeah, the, you had you McGregor and Liam Neeson. Those are pretty much the yeah, but only. Those were names. Yeah, those were names, and they were still. I mean, if you look at the acting in it, they were the best actors too. Oh. <laughs> I think the problem is the dialogue. Be. Oh yeah, <laughs> and Hayden Christensen. That's just my opinion. Okay. Well, let's see here. I think I wanted to try and test you guys here on your... Uh... Please, no. You said nothing about tests. Uh-huh. You said nothing about tests. Well, I am a teacher. Uh, I, I like surprise gi- tests. I usually give Tito, tests. Tito and I got finals next week. We don't need more testing from you. Come on, man. Sorry. Sorry. Star Wars test I'm in, though. Let's go. Okay. Well, I had uh, some trivia stuff that I pulled off the internet the last couple of weeks I've been digging up for you guys, so I wanted to kind of just put you to the test here. And see I will if... deflect any ones I don't know to my podcast partner. Okay. No pressure. Right. Same, but he's not my podcast partner. <laughs> I got He this. will I be your future podcast partner. <laughs> we'll, we'll make that happen. Um, Might be Legends now, but I still know it. <laughs> First Star Wars movie was released in 1977 and became the biggest box office film of all time, replacing Jaws on top of the money heap. What movie released in 1982 supplanted Star Wars at number one? It was E.T. E.T. Correct. There you go. You can do this all day, okay. Also starring Harrison Ford, although that is on the cutting room floor. Which, you know, and he was in episode two? Two, or was it three that they were in? Who? Well, the, the, that oh, the E.T.'s? Yeah. I think they, were in, they were in two. Yeah, yeah two. two. Yeah. Spielberg. 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 But Harrison Ford was actually... Yep, they're, they're good friends. That's which is yeah. why E.T. is well, in... That's why we have Star Tours, too. Yes. Absolutely. Lucas was from Modesto, and Spielberg was from... Spielberg's actually from the East Coast, but he grew okay. up in New Mexico. Okay. I grew up in a very small town right near Modesto. We used to cruise McHenry Boulevard in Modesto. Nice. Yeah, that was the cool thing to do. That's the cool thing. <laughs> we like that. Um... This is a, obviously a, pr- a pretty easy one. You, anyone in the audience can probably answer, but um, Mel Brooks produced a comedy version of Star Wars. We all call that... Spaceballs. Spaceballs, right? Yeah. Um, so good. It's, a, it's an amazing movie. I've, I've probably seen that more than the actual Star Wars films. I mean, Lone Star is my man. <laughs> um, if it's ever on TV, you just leave it on. Yep, you have to. Uh, what was the name of the character who was parody of Jabba the Hutt? It's Pizza the Hut. Pizza, Pizza there we go. Points for Zeph. I probably know this mo- that movie more than I know Star Wars. Oh, no. <laughs> um, what was the original name of the Star Wars movie according to an early draft of the script? The Star Wars. Blue Harvest. Blue Harvest. Blue no, Harvest. No, you're right. This one says Adventures of Luke Starkiller. Oh, was that the original? <laughs> oh, well, Blue Harvest was the... Oh, that was the, was that the, was the name for the uh, yeah. script. Yeah. Mm. Yes. So the movie was Blue Moon, yes. Totally. And which they then he, they took that name for Starkiller in uh, The Force Unleashed, the video game. And that's where but, they got the, uh, the rebel symbol, yeah, was mm-hmm. his family crest. Yep. Yeah. They actually went so back and did the, back. the original script in comic form as well, called it The Star Wars. Yep. That's, yeah, that's where that, okay, that's what I was thinking. Which so I have all read. those characters on the page, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. What, how do sound technicians create the sound for the TIE Fighter? Wasn't it? Oh, the, it was there. the uh, power line thing. It was, wasn't rubbing it? something on a power line? Wasn't it? I don't remember. It, it was, was an animal. The, 
It was an animal? So it was an animal roar. Oh, I'm off. Was it and a, then also maybe that was a light one song. other thing combined. Got me. Was no. it the, the tsunami siren thing? Because they used that for something in there, too. They used an all elephant sorts of roar and a tire burning out. Huh. Oh, they took the sounds yeah. and combined them, and actually, I haven't actually tried it myself. I'm going to do that sometime in Audacity and see if I can create some kind of a tie fighter noise. Yeah. But if you listen yeah, to it, you're kind of going, sound effects are amazing. Especially, I, I was um, I watched the prequels first before I watched the original films, and I'm what sorry. sold me, I think, is being in this profession, editing video and uh, sound design and stuff, and now actually teaching it um, was watching the Phantom Menace and the pod racing uh, scene yeah, was just for beyond. as bad as the Phantom Menace story and script is. Yes, the technical aspects are phenomenal. Even though yeah. it was nominated for four Oscars and it lost all four. Granted, it was all to the Matrix, so... Yep. You know, it's, it's funny for as much gruff as I give the prequel trilogy, I I am more of a fan of the prequel trilogy than the original. So, I mean, that says a lot about Epi- it. Episode three is... I, I, personally, I hate leaves. Uh, I love episode three, yeah. personally. Episodes, you know, you can you can take one. It's yeah, still, episode I'll still watch really it. Good. But two and three, I like. And then just having the Clone Wars to fill in. Or Clone Wars and the Clone Wars, too. I mean, you know, just take both of them. Um... Well, we can talk whole, about this tomorrow, but two overall is really good. I mean, if you take out the, uh, the little sand <laughs> section, yeah, you'll see that tomorrow. Okay, so I think, without spoiling too much for tomorrow, um, we'll probably cut it, cut it in here tonight. Um, but if the same audience comes tomorrow, how do you sell them on making, the, you know, hyping up for tomorrow? How do I we hype up battles. episodes one, two, and three? Yeah, yeah, real, real, like, actual sword fighting. Well, <laughs> they they changed the lightsaber battles, like mm. where in this they're treated more of like great swords and like you got to like actually like plan what you're doing. In the prequels, it's just like, dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they definitely started incorporating kendo. And actually, there's a great documentary that we saw trailer for that's coming out Tuesday night on ESPN. Again, Disney and their synergy. Um, it's going to be hosted by Mark Hamill, and I think it's what seven o'clock. Seven. Yep. And uh, it's basically going to be talking about the history of lightsaber dueling, and how kendo and samurai work all were heavily influenced on that. <laughs> and especially uh, once you get to episode one, you start seeing Ray Park. You're going to see some great, great sword work. And I think outside of the, the lightsaber duels, uh, you really get to see the, the mental relationship develop. You get to see the rise and fall of Anakin. And some really amazing war battle scenes. Yeah. Well, for my my particular, the reason why I like the prequel trilogy better is because you have, if you take the original trilogy, it's this really super epic story, and you know, across all these three movies, and it just tells this really great thing. But if you go to the prequel trilogy, every single movie is like that. It's just epic all the way through. Even the bad parts of the movies are just great. Plus, you get to see uh, Samuel Jackson with a purple lightsaber. Yep. Yes. Also, yeah, it's Jar Jar and Jar Jar. Yeah. <laughs> I like how in the prequel. So definitely check out the prequel trilogy tomorrow. I would, you know, you're not gonna, you won't be sorry. No. Yeah, can you see some good old-fashioned racism? Yeah. <laughs> Correct. I like in the prequel trilogy they show how like the force being used more in like battle and stuff like. Instead of like Darth Vader taking a break to throw a couple things off the wall, it's like, oh, just throw some droids over there and like mm-hmm. do all sorts of little tiny tricks. Multitasking. Yeah. And, and for as cheesy as some of the effects are, seeing Yoda do more than mentoring, it's pretty darn cool. And, and at the same time, you're right, seeing the Force being used the way, and seeing, basically seeing Jedi as they were in their, in their prime. 
you know, and the seeing Sith. more Jedi and the Sith yeah. fighting each other uh, and using the Force in ways that you never see in the original trilogy. It's pretty neat. Like holding their breath at the beginning of the first Like movie. holding their breath for a long period of time. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. Totally. Cool. Well, uh, do you think we can have you guys back again tomorrow? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. We're do here. We, do we have any questions from the audience about yeah. anything? Yeah. That's good. Legends. Not anymore. Legends. The only games that are considered canon are the mobile games that have been released in the last couple months, uh, Uprising and Galaxy of Heroes and Battlefront. It used to be canon. It used to be part of it. But once Disney took over it, they kind of shoved it to the side and say, yeah, that's still there. And then if we want to make it official later, we can. But they they just had – there was so much stuff. Yeah, yeah like we played the, we played the, the the old Republic, which is an MMORPG, um, and just recently with our last update, they put the Lucasfilm logo on it, which is something that never happened before. So I think that's on a step to becoming canon. But the thing is, it takes place thirty five hundred years before A New Hope, so it's easier to mess around with that because it's so far out of the timeline. And they still haven't come out, although that stamp is there, haven't come out and said this is canon or it's legend. So mm-hmm. they're they've been waffling. They've been. On the line, Star Wars The Old Republic has been. so, And we've already seen some stuff being pulled, some planets that are similar, so we'll see. When, uh, when The Force Unleashed was kind of canon, it took place in between 3 and 4, I think. Yep. And um, I think, like, spoiler... Oh, I'm not going to say spoiler, because Marshall's here and he hasn't played the games yet. Um, the, the ending of the first game kind of kicks off... The, the rebellion. It does. The, the, uh, the Treaty of Corellia, or yeah, the Corellian yeah. Treaty. And it that starts, starts, starts the Rebel Alliance. Starts the, um, the, the original trilogy. And, and Mon Mothma, which you just saw, she saw when she was in the movie, she was the one who, who was leading the attack. She goes on to be the president of the New Republic, and she was part of that treaty, and there's just all sorts of things everywhere. But the problem that Disney had when they finally took over was that there was just so much information. There's so many books and so many comic books and so many games Love that they didn't know what to do with it. So, and when, when George Lucas owned it, he literally had one person whose job it was to be like, this fits here and this fits there and this fits there. They and still do, actually. They, they, yeah, in, they still do, but to make it easier for Disney, to make it easier for Disney, they're just like, only the movies and only the TV shows that have been made recently. And so now everything's starting to fit into what they are currently doing and their yeah, vision for it. What I hope they, they eventually bring into from the, uh, from the extended unit, well, from the Legends, is the variety of different types of Jedi there are. Because so far right now all you see are sword fighting, mm-hmm. right? Um, <clears throat> the Guardians. In the extended universe you find out that there are medical Jedi and diplomatic Jedi. Counselors and sentinels. And- exactly. Like one of my favorite scenes is there's a, in, in one of the, the books is that Mon Mothma gets poisoned. And they bring in a Jedi who is a medical Jedi, and they specifically just stand by her and bring out the poison one drop at a time out of her fingertip. Because they can go in at the genetic level and pull that stuff out. Wow. Wow. That's cool. I have something to say. Well, I think the other other problem they really had, obviously, with uh, going forward and trying to say, okay, this is canon, this isn't. If they had taken everything from Legends, there are so many things Mm -hmm. that... 
it, it would have hindered and and contradicted something else. And well, if you had the use on Vong Or, you couldn't have uh, exactly. And then you have the issue with most people being upset. Although he's my favorite, one of my favorite authors, Ari Salvatore, wrote the book that killed Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Uh, so epically, you know, though, he was he was a hero. I, and, you know, you he drop a, a moon on him, and that'll kill yeah. him. But it's all very sad. People don't want to see Chewbacca go, but. Uh, and actually, one thing that I forgot, one of the biggest things brought out of EU that's in that's become canon is Coruscant. The oh, capital yeah, planet yeah. originally started in the Timothy Zahn trilogy. Mm-hmm. Before it had never been named before. And it still had land. There was uh, not, oh, right, just, there not was. just the lake and the mountain. There was more land on it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, total tangent off of your question. <laughs> did we no, answer your question? No, or? it is not canon. <laughs> uh, did the whole Battlefront series... Uh, it was so. Is it just the new Battlefront that's canon, or is it the old? Just as the well? new Battlefront. Just the new Battlefront, hmm. and its uh, and its extensions. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Battlefront Two would then be legendary. Okay. All right. Any other questions for these guys? Yes. Ooh. A lot of yes. This I'm is getting spicy. Subreddit. My yes. only thought is hilarious. Well, I mean, that goes into that's a whole philosophical debate about how how the Sith can use their powers and whether they need to be angry or not, which I could go into for hours. But I really, I think uh, if Jar Jar was force sensitive, he could be a pretty powerful Sith. Yeah, uh, one of, one of the um, one of the the theories was he was just acting dumb the entire time, and he so, there was something stupid just where like he, Palpatine was acting to be a senator. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there, there was something, and it was I don't know, Jar Jar becomes a well spoiler general and a senator. So yeah. <laughs> There, there was something along the lines of, um, I think it was, he moved his hand in one scene and the internet was like, this is him using the force power on Qui-Gon Jinn. He's stronger internet. than Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> he is the ultimate Sith. And, yeah, so. That's what the internet's for, though, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. that's the fun part. Jar Jar's always planning. He's just. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if Darth Sidious <laughs> took, took a thousand, well, just under a thousand years to do what the Sith needed to do, what could Jar Jar do? And, his limited amount of time. <laughs> I think we'd all like a Darth Jar Jar. I want that action figure. I'd buy it. Any other questions? Is it true that Yoda's character, when they were starting to get the look for Yoda, that they had a monkey, or they were trying to make him look like he was like a chimp, but they pulled away from that because at that time, I haven't heard that specifically, but if you look at Salacious Crumb, which is mm-hmm. kind of like a cord gesture in the, the hut, you kind of see some similarities with the ears and stuff. Yeah. But I find it really interesting that um, neither Lucas nor any canon specialists have actually named Yoda species. No, even though there's been two now? Two? No, three? There have been the two. two. There's been two. No, there's been three because there was one in there's a book. one with the yeah. orange uh, yeah. skin, right? Well, no, that's a different species, um, which uh, has been named. But there was the, the female Yoda species in right. the Phantom Menace. And then there was one on um, Dantooine in one of the Knights of the World Republic games. But those aren't. Oh, yeah. Not anymore. Right. But they, also they are to me. Get more to the <laughs> they are to me. Mm-hmm. Well, because a lot of the... A lot of the um, like I haven't heard that rumor either, but a lot of the aliens that they did have, like if you look at the cantina scene in the first yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. it was just well, let's go, let's grab a bunch of extras and make all these aliens. So they were all humanoid. So they they did kind of need except to for the Thorian, but yeah, yeah, but it's 
they need to I make mean, it but honestly, different. if you look at the cantina scene, you also see a wolfman. You see uh, a face. devil, which actually the devil has become the Deveronian. The, the Deveronian. So also, there's an elephant, I think, on the where the like in the Max Rebo Jedi or no in the cantina. That shows yeah. like I think it's like yeah. Well, those are Ortolans. Those are uh, yeah. native to Hoth. Mm-hmm. They started somewhere and then went somewhere else with it. Right. Yeah, I could I could see them doing that then because they just they started with one thing and they just kept going until they they found something that matched. So I well, I mean the authorians the authorians could be you know started with a hammerhead shark and then just went humanoid with it. So any other questions? Uh, I just want to say thanks for having us. Yeah, hey, thank of you. course, please. And we yeah. will definitely be here tomorrow. And we'll, if you want to check out our podcast, we're <clears throat> the usual podcast, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, all that. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, be posting it. We'll be posting it on our Facebook here in the next couple of days. So we'll be promoting you guys. So yeah, we'll be here again ten o'clock tomorrow morning. We will binge watch episodes one, two, and three, Prepare and then we'll yourselves. have another panel with these exact human beings following that. So uh, thank you for coming, uh, and have a good night. We'll hopefully see you all again tomorrow. All right, we are here for day two of our uh, panel discussion on the Star Wars universe. Thank you for coming, all who are here, most of which are my students and uh, colleagues. So uh, this is a very uh, heartfelt community little gathering I think we have here today. Um, My name is Marshall Brown. I am going to be your little host here on this journey of uh, breaking down Star Wars episodes 1, 2, and 3. Right here to my right side, I have Will Griggs. He's a staff member at Fort Bragg uh, Unified School District, IT computer lab tech. I have Marshall Carr here. Uh, He's an English teacher and a golf coach at Fort Bragg High School. Uh, My friend Drew Loudon down there uh, used to work with him at Moody's, and now he's just just friend status, which is A-OK. And then uh, Zephaniah Bishop down there at the end is one of my students and a uh, student here at Mendocino High School. So um, thank you for, you know, coming today uh, again, guys. Uh, Thanks for having having us. us. Sorry we couldn't necessarily pack the house with the uh, the biggest audience in the world, but... yeah, I know we can tell. Lights are glaring everywhere. Um, but well, usually, we, usually when we do our podcast, just the two of us. So we're just talking out into the universe anyway. So yeah. it's all and good. And the dog barking on the other side. And the dog's door. barking and various yeah. other things. But, you know, it's and all if good. It's, if it's cool. about Star Wars, I just talk to anything and anyone who will listen. So yeah. <laughs> that's the way it works. Exactly. So that's why this is good. So um, real quick, I'll just note that having my having seen the prequels first um, – so seeing it in order of seeing uh, episodes one, two, three, four, five, six, I found it to be more exciting. If you don't necessarily know, you're kind of like put you know putting two things together, like oh that's where Vader comes from, and like you've seen pictures of Vader and the names like Luke and Leia just kind of appear, um, you know, in in episode uh, three towards the end of that. There, um, how does that uh, how does that work? Why why does it you know make it 
how does it become more exciting for an individual who you know watched it in the late 90s early 2000s having never seen the originals um kind of see episodes one two and three and how does that kind of make it more exciting for that viewer because it's not just me like i've talked to a lot of people who you know saw the prequels first and then the original second and they found it to be more exciting and some people might even like the prequels more um i think the main reason is because um it was the way they originally were written so i mean it's just the way the story is going to unfold yeah is it's the way it's designed to do it that way unfortunately for me it kind of ruins by watching in that that way it ruins the reveal in empire mm-hmm. because you know lucas's son so yeah. well and you're also talking about two different generations of fans too you have the folks that grew up with the prequels and you have the folks that grew up like us those old timers uh who only had the original trilogy for so many years and yeah. then going back and i mean and that's why you have that prequel kind of fallout too is because you know we we attached ourselves to these prequel trilogies Oh, that's oh. different. Uh, that works. <laughs> <laughs> we attached ourselves to these prequel trilogy, uh, the original trilogy so much, and there was really... It's getting more dramatic. Wow. This is getting awfully cozy. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, let's see. What was I saying? All right, so what I'm saying is, uh, for many years, we only had the original trilogy, and I would never know... I could watch one through six but never know what it's like to have seen the prequels first. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's really, it's an interesting way to think about it. I, I mean, there's a lot of fans who have no problems with the prequel trilogy because that's what they grew up with. Yeah. Uh, and which is why I think The Force Awakens is going to be so good for all of our generations. Is mm-hmm. It's going to hopefully bring us all back together again. Yeah, because <laughs> we're divided. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely somewhat divided. Well, yes. Yep. <laughs> I don't know. For, for me, like I, I had the, the, the original trilogy when I was growing up, but I definitely didn't watch them. And when, it really, when they released um, episode one in 99... Well, 90, it was 99, right? Yeah, May 99. Well, what they had done, and, and those were the versions we watched last night, was the, the remastered you know, 20th anniversary edition. And those came out in theaters before they released episode one. And that's what got me going with Star Wars. Because like, I'd seen it before and everything. But I literally watched every single Star Wars in theaters because of the re-release of the original trilogy. Yeah. So, But they did, they did four, they did five, they did six. And then I went back and watched one and two and three, and like I'd I'd always known that, you know what had happened. But for me, I kind of got both experiences because I got to watch them all basically at the same time in theaters. So I mean, it's all exciting for me. Yeah, it's just like I just see it as one, one big saga, which is how it's intended to be. But you know, I'm I'm one of those rare people that did. Watch the original trilogy first, but I prefer the uh, the, the prequel trilogy. Yeah. I wa- well, yeah, I watched the original. I, I don't know. If I'm starting my words. I watched the original. I prefer the, the the prequel, except for Empire. I do like Empire the best. Um, d- despite despite my age, I grew up with the original trilogy first. That were probably the most worn out in my pile of VHSs I had, and um, I I don't remember the prequels as much or. Attack of the Clones, that is, because I guess even then I knew that was just the worst movie ever. Um, but um, it's kind of like what Drew said. It's like I grew up with both, but I'm more fond of the originals as I know that. But um, I completely forgot the question. What? 
<laughs> what was, yeah. what was, I'm actually glad you brought up when they re-released them. Uh, I never got to see the original trilogy in theaters. I was too young. Uh, but I, you know, wore out my VHS, just like he was saying. Uh, but when they re-released them, uh, I was living in Santa Cruz at the time, and a buddy of mine went to all those midnight screenings and stuff like that, and that really was really exciting. And then, of course, when the prequels came out, I mean, I, I love the prequels just fine, but I, like I say, as a saga, it all works just fine, and it's very exciting. Uh, but, you know, the original trilogy is really what's close to my heart, so... I mean, that's just, you know, that's what was released first, yeah. and that's just kind of where you really get to kind of know the characters that, you know, came to be. Um, so, yeah, most definitely a, a better story, in my opinion, for sure. I think everybody can probably agree on that. Um, Clone Wars, we can probably forget about, or could have been condensed to a 10-minute, you know, could have been short. No, that's short, short, been a short that's how I feel about The Phantom Menace. <laughs> I mean, I don't feel like that movie was necessary at all, but... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what were you saying about Phantom Menace earlier? You told me. Oh, I mean, I was, I was when I went home last night, and after you know watching the movies yesterday, I was thinking about the Phantom Menace. And I'm like, well, there's really only three big things that that movie. I mean, half the movie is the pod race. Like, why yep. do we need that? It's like twenty something minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but really, the three things that it comes down to is um, Anakin Skywalker didn't have a dad. The Sith are still out there, and. What was the third one? What, I said it to And then we learned what the word midichlorian was. Oh, yeah. Like, we kind of learned a little bit more about how the Force works. But other than that, <laughs> like, there's no reason for that movie to be there because they could have taken Attack of the Clones and added that in like, the first little bit. Being like, oh, yeah, Anakin Skywalker is super strong in the Force and he doesn't have a dad. And the Sith are still around. There you go. Cut up. Could have had a whole new epic Clone I mean, Wars it does movie. set up the... the Emperor's whole plot of the Separatist versus yeah, it does it does set the Republic, up the Republic, but, but my biggest but thing you with could do the, that pretty yeah, my biggest thing with the 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 trilogy is the whole idea of the balance of the Force and how the prophecy says mm-hmm. that someone's going to bring balance to the Force and how the Jedi Council are just a bunch of idiots mm-hmm. because well, they're saying that's going to bring balance to the Force. I'm like, okay, well, you if can't the have balance. Jedi you can't have, have dark power light. for a thousand years. Balance is to have the Sith get some power. Yep. Yeah. It's That's not how I to see it too. eradicate. That would be a sh- wild shift. And I'm like, keep talking about balance. <laughs> yeah. You can't you, have. You got balance. You can't have balance if, if Anakin goes and, and wipes out all the Sith. He has to become a Sith Lord to, yeah. and bring them back into power. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because the, the light side's been in power for since since Bane started mm-hmm. his rule of two a thousand years before yep. these movies. Part of the prequels, what they do in addition to showing Anakin's, you know rise and fall, uh, you know, fall of the dark side, is showing the fall of the Jedi and how they got kind of really so wrapped up in their doctrine and and prophecies and all this stuff and they lost sight of where they were trying to be. And by the end of episode three, you know, we just watched it. I mean, there's really, there's no Jedi order anymore. That whole, that whole thing falls. Well, um, Palpatine says it best when he's talking Yoda. He says, hey, your arrogance blinds you. And that's really true about the Jedi order. I mean, that's, that the Sith have been around for a thousand years, and they, Sith I mean, are patient. They, they were hiding and they were patient, but they weren't, you know, blatantly. They were sometimes, but you know, they're around. You'd think that the Jedi should know them. They're this big, all power, all powerful organization, but no, they're just they're arrogant. Palpatine said it best. Uh, the making of the movie wise, the, the frustrating thing for me is with the original trilogy, nobody knew what they were part of. I mean, you kind of could maybe have a sense, but Al Guinness thought that they were going to fail, and yeah. then um, 
when uh, when Harrison first finished up the uh, the first uh, the first one, A New Hope, and somebody said, "Well, what are you working on?" He goes, "Oh, just some little sci-fi flick." Mm-hmm. But once you get to the new trilogy or the prequel trilogy, I mean, with Samuel Jackson and Jimmy Smith and Natalie Portman, and everybody, I mean, you knew what you were joining in yeah. up with. It's the same thing with the with the new movie. Yeah, yeah. now even more so. I mean. Especially with the spinoffs, uh, they're trying to cast, uh, you know, trying to get the cast right, trying to get, I mean, everybody knows what they're a part of. It's, yeah. it's intense. Very intense. Um, Yoda called it in episode one, knowing what Anakin could become, you know. Um, you're Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Why, why not listen to the Master Jedi? Well, at that time, he wasn't the Master Jedi. He wasn't in charge of the Council, was he? Wasn't Mace Windu? Or whatever reverse, Mace Windu is in charge of the Jedi Council during the Clone Wars, and Yoda was not. Who was the, the Grand Master? Or Master of the Jedi? Well, there's no Grand Master order, order. Team, right? Yeah, at that time. But the one running it, I mean, Yoda seems to be, you know, he's, he's, he's the he wisest. He seems to be in charge of the training. Yeah. Whereas right. Windu's in charge of the diplomacy. Right, right okay. Um, Well, not, well, I think it just goes back to the arrogance. It goes back to the mm-hmm. fact that it's like, okay, well, we see it's in front of us, but uh, we'll be okay. Yeah. You know, we've always been okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, and light wins over dark, always. And they never saw what was right under their noses the whole time. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's, again, one of the many mistakes that the Jedi Order makes uh, in the prequel trilogy during the Clone Wars. Uh, and they do go into a lot of that, too, with the Clone Wars animated series as well um so i I absolutely think that that's that's it they're just they're the hubris and arrogance and as far as qui-gon and obi-wan i mean qui-gon was just blinded by the idea of the prophecy yeah and then uh obi-wan just felt uh, guilty for losing him to maul so you know he was just going to do whatever it was on his it was a deathbed request you don't turn that down no you don't that's um Especially from a Jedi as powerful as well, now that you bring that up, that's one thing I, n- I never personally really understood about Qui-Gon is why he was so enthralled in this prophecy when it, he was more or less a gray Jedi. I mean, he, wasn't, he didn't stand by the Jedi Code nearly as much as any of the other Jedi. He kind of just went about and did his own thing. That's why. Well, no, I mean, heck, he, enforced, he invented Force Ghost. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think he was more about the living force and, and how it shapes our world for the most part. And I think the prophecy was something he could kind of latch on to. And, and say, okay, well, there has to be something outside of me that is going to direct the force in a certain way. And I think that's why he latched on to the, hmm. the prophecy. Why not, why not uh, go to the dark side with all that power? I mean, you're kind of just, you're, you're watching the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker from episode one to three and kind of just how he goes from, you know, becoming a Jedi Knight and then, being that temp, you know, we talked about it last night with the temptation of you know that that power. Um, why not? If you're in this position, I would. I'm putting would. you in this position. <laughs> I would too. Well, Marshall would because he's evil. But um, we are actually, you know, it's funny. We we just read the Star Wars annual comic book that just came out this week. We read it today, and it's about a a rebel spy that's infiltrated the imperial bureaucracy, and he comes upon a plot to possibly be able to take out the emperor. Right, and so it's a really cool story. But the funny thing is, is he realizes the emperor is really strong and smart, and he basically he has this line that says, "The emperor is perfect, except for his ethics." That's so the thing; that it all boils down to your ethics. Exactly. Yeah. When it also goes to the fact that you know, in any of these, and we were talking about this earlier, uh, 
any kind of you know totalitarian regime of any kind. It's like, okay, I'm going to make sure that everybody else out there thinks the way I do. And the way to do this is by saying how bad the people who are good are. And that's what Palpatine was good was, was good at. Yeah. You know, he manipulated everybody around him. He manipulated the council. He manipulated uh, Anakin and to his own the entire game. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he was a smart guy. Like I was saying last night when you asked what our favorite characters were, and I said Palpatine, mm-hmm. and this whole trilogy just goes to show it. Because if you watch his, his journey throughout the entire trilogy, you can see how you know he's conniving and everything but he's a super smart intelligent man mm-hmm. he knows exactly what he's doing and he's manipulating the separatist side he's manipulating the republic side he's manipulating everything and he's doing it just nonchalantly and what's wonderful is the people that are directly beneath him think they're in the know of everything oh, yeah. and the, like dooku <laughs> thinks he knows everything but nobody knows everything right. nope. under him only him and i think his sneer at the end uh, as he's telling uh Vader, how he killed Padme, and watching and him rage and did the, the Frankenstein table. thing, and the no, uh, and but you know that that one moment of Palpatine's face, he's got that little smile on his face. I mean, he's been playing this the whole way, yeah, from beginning to end. Yeah, that one part, that one moment in episode at the beginning of episode three, when Anakin had both the lightsabers aimed at Count Dooku's face, and then Palpatine just like kill him, and then he's all, <gasps> oh. Okay. Am I supposed to? Oh, oh, the okay. Supreme okay. Chancellor gave him a direct order. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. But yeah, Count Dooku, his face there, he was just like, oh, wow. Just, just, got, just got crossed <laughs> right then and there. So. And the funny thing is they never see it coming. And I'm like, dude, your whole existence a as a Sith is usurping the person above mm-hmm. you. If you don't get there, you die. Yep, you're done. Exactly. You failed. You're going to get killed by the person below you. Exactly. Um catered towards the the people who are more fanboys, I guess you could say, of episodes four, five, and six. Um, we kind of touched on it a little bit towards the beginning of this conversation, but what, what didn't work for you with episodes one, two, and three? Or was it just one specific um, movie that just didn't kind of necessarily, like, you know, jive with you? I... I- like I said, I like pretty much anything Star Wars. I'm, a, I'm yeah. kind of an easy sell when totally. it comes to Star Wars. Uh, what didn't I, the story worked for me? The rise, fall, mm-hmm. slave. I mean, even the pod race. It's, it's yeah. all fine. Can't say uh, no I like that. seeing where everybody came from, where they end up. Um, I think what I, it, you know, if had he been able to go back and change anything, which you know, Lucas probably would. <laughs> uh, I, the dialogue choices sometimes. And actor choice, possibly. Hmm. Uh, the only actor I really have a hard time with is is uh, Hayden Christensen. Christensen, but yeah. I mean, you know, for the most part, it's fine. Episode two kills me. I always fast forward through the uh, love scene on Naboo because oh, I'm just so like, bad. you're killing me. Every Seriously, time I with watch the sand like, this and is the so bad. oh, it's so coarse, it gets it's soft and silky. You're just it gets so great. everywhere. I was like, oh, you know, so, I'd have forgotten how that every oh, single time. So I'm like, oh, terrible. It's terrible, but I forget, and I'm like, oh. I but should. you know, I like the Clone the Clone Wars uh, out of the original prequels. I like episode three and two, and two is my second favorite. Uh, without that scene, though, mm-hmm. you know the Jango Fett, the you know the clone army, all of that I think works really well. Yeah, um, and I love that fight scene with Obi Wan and and Jango Fett uh, in the rain. That's yeah. awesome. It's a great, great fight scene. On the other hand, it is clearly CGI, and so that's why I love about the new the new trailer when you see Kylo Ren light his lightsaber and he's got the 
yeah. the people behind them and it's pouring rain. That's like practical. Yeah. And it looks so much better. Yeah, they're dumping rain on them. Yeah. <laughs> it looks good. It looks completely good. For, for me, um, I didn't mind the CGI. I actually, I, I'm okay with it. You know, it, it is what it is. I know that was a big seller on a lot of people like that took away from the original, you know, the animatronics well, of the of Star Wars, but it he they made it work, you know. They took they they were trying new technology and they used what they had, so I don't mind that so much, but I just I like the whole story of the of the prequel trilogy. I think it's it's um it's more epic in nature because you know within the original it's you have the rebellion and it's fighting the empire sure but it's really just the story of luke skywalker you know trying to save his dad and the redemption of it all but with the prequel trilogy it is the story of the republic turning into the empire it's it's more epic on scope for me that's why i like it better and if i could change anything about it though it would definitely be hayden christensen i just <laughs> even even in jumper when you played in jumper if you guys have seen that like, <laughs> i actually like i like that movie it's a good movie and he does a good job in it but every single time i watch it i'm just like oh you're anakin skywalker oh yeah you. you have a past <laughs> actually if you want to watch him in a, in a decent movie watch a movie called shattered glass where he plays stephen glass who was a writer for the the uh the atlantic and he ended up forging a whole bunch of his stories he it was pretty good, huh. but um, put that on my Netflix queue. When it gets to the CGI, there were good uses of it and bad uses yeah. of it. I mean, actually, um, when we came in and we sat down, I was right at the beginning of the lava fight. I laughed out loud when he did the jump and landed on the droid head, right? Because I'm like, <laughs> that is so clearly green screen; it's laughable, right? Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, is at the very end when they're watching the building of the Death Star. And you see the CGI character of, of of Tarkin. Oh, that was good. I'm like, that's brilliant. That's really well done because they they didn't overdo it. They just they did it. I missed that. Like at the end of episode three, at the, at the end, Tarkin when, in there. When, when Vader walks up and he and the Emperor are looking out the window yeah. and looking at the building of the Death Star, the mob right left. next to him is Tarkin. Yeah. Oh, huh. you see the hairline. That. You see the slick yeah. back hair. Mm-hmm. You see it darker instead of gray. I wanted to yeah, double you, check with you. You see too. it's wearing because he puts his hands behind his back just like Tarkin yeah. did. Huh. We uh, we both looked at each other in that scene and uh, Tarkin, that novel that came out, that was also canon, correct? Uh, no, it's not canon. It's not. Okay. that's. I wanted to double check with you because... That book was also very good, and that was James Usino, um, and he, yeah, he there wrote was some a other great really good Star set Wars of novels, books but. that came out in like a two year period right before the Legend status. Yeah, happened. I mentioned Kenobi last there night. Kenobi, Tarkin was Plagueis, one. Tarkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Seth. Oh, I was just gonna going back to um, what what Greg said. You know, the CGI was it was pretty bad in parts, but I didn't I didn't really mind it. But what other Marshall said, that love story between Anakin and Padme just kills me every single time I see it. It's, and I guess... I mean, they kind of have to do it, though, but, yeah. You know, like, they could have toned it down. They didn't need, oh, like, yeah, sure. three or four scenes of just, like, I love his you. slightly... Not rapey, but, like, weirdly sexual... <laughs> the creepy stare. Yeah. yeah. The creepy stare I think it would have been a lot better if just they... When they created the characters, they didn't make it such a big age gap, because it's ten years. Yeah. And then when they see each other later on, and he's supposed to be 18 and she's 28, and it's like, look, the same age. <laughs> but if they had just made him 10 and her, like, 16 in Phantom Menace, that would have been much more believable. Well, then there's, uh, you know, going back to what you were saying, too, the moment where sh- she says, I'm pregnant, you know? There's, like, these weird little moments where... And there's people around, but 
we're supposed to buy the fact that nobody knows this relationship is happening, that even Obi-Wan doesn't know that it's his baby. Like, come on. I mean, is everybody that dumb? Or is it just... I, I don't know. I, I, that's the other part I don't like. Weren't into that. What? You said weren't into that at all. No, I mean, well, I mean, Obi-Wan's not an idiot. No. Yeah, it's, it's not like she's a nobody. She's a senator. Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean... I mean, he, if a senator here gets pregnant out of wedlock, hello, that's going gonna, gonna to be some news. <laughs> well, I was... I would, I've, sure I've always, like, kind of... I, I always kind of see it whenever I watch it, but I was just picking it apart in my head today, especially because I knew we were going to come up here and talk about it. But at the very beginning of that movie, oh, I'm pregnant, and she's not showing at all. And then... You know, Obi-Wan goes and talks to her about, hey, where's Anakin? And she's, like, barely showing. And then at the end of the fight scene, it's, not, it's the same day, you know. Nine months pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, like, huge. Like, that doesn't happen in 24 hours. You know, maybe a little growth, but not. Space fantasy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Space fantasy gets you there sometimes. It kind of just speeds up the process. Or all that. Well, it's up. very rapid. doesn't make sense, but it works. Um, talking about... The, the effects a little bit more and just kind of, you know, if you didn't have some of those, I guess you could say George Lucas waited to make these films until they had better computers and better ways to create the art that he used in those films. Um, should he have waited another decade? So I'm talking about like instead of episode seven releasing next week, should he have waited until now? It's never going to be good enough. Plus, with him coming back, it, you know, ILM was back in the, the spotlight. I mean, they had done Jurassic Park and stuff, but they were also building up Pixar at the same time. So yeah. without them, would yeah, Toy Story have happened when it did? Because they were all building up in the 90s together. So, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know. Yeah, and I think, you know, he was going to try one more time. And that was the time he decided to try. And he did have the tech that he felt he needed at the time to do the prequels the way that he envisioned them. And, you know, visually, uh, with some exceptions, uh, he did really well. Um, of course, we still have some of the other issues that we have. But, uh, I, you know, I don't know. Had he waited, I don't know if much of would have changed, honestly. I, um, I kind of feel like if he had waited, it wouldn't be nearly as big as it is now because you know it was going on the 20 years and there were the novels out and you know people were doing Star Wars related stuff and there's always going to be that huge fan base if he hadn't done it but because those these this next trilogy came out the prequel trilogy it got everyone interested again and then it caused this explosion in the expanded universe that Mm -hmm. just grabbed even more people and just took hold and but if he had waited for now, I don't think that growth would be there. And if he had waited until like this year, it, the interest would have waned significantly. Well, I agree, and also I'm glad you mentioned that uh, as far as the explosion afterwards, because now not just the expanded universe, but canon universe mm-hmm. with the Clone Wars, we wouldn't have had the Clone Wars had the prequels not started, and then we wouldn't have Rebels, and we wouldn't have you know. So we're where we are now because he decided to do it when he did. So. Um, and personally, I'm thankful for the Clone Wars and, and Star Wars Rebels. Uh, they're amazing animated uh, series. And then we have the, re- you know, 
all the all the new comics and everything else and, yeah. and the actual canon novels and there's some really really good stuff out there some of it you know heir to the jedi eh. but you know there's some stuff out there that's that's really good and i think now leading up to the force awakens uh we wouldn't have had all of that hype and excitement for where we are now i guess I think it also helped that the movie, the prequels, were coming out about the same time as DVD technology. True. So you had a much better home viewing experience for a wider range of people. Wider range. DVDs were cool back then. They still are. They still HD are. HD DVD? <laughs> HD DVD. What are those? I had to throw that out there. That Disney, Disney killed HD DVD <laughs> yeah. when they chose Blu-ray. Oh, but actually, okay. I, was, I was working at a music store in L.A. when DVDs first came out, and they originally got released in jewel cases. And they were just completely mixed up with soundtracks. It was funny. Yeah. Oh, um, I feel like if, if they waited another ten years, it wouldn't have been such a big thing because I know the prequel trilogy or the yeah the prequel trilogy got a bunch of people like wow Star Wars thing. What is this? Mm-hmm. It's like everyone's making a big deal out of it. And if they waited like it wouldn't have the the original wouldn't have faded to like faded into like nothing. But it would have most definitely been not a big not as big of a thing. Well, I think what you're really saying, too, is it grabbed that other generation. Yeah. yeah. That one in between. Yeah, I and get. I think that's a huge deal because now that The Force Awakens is coming out, you have, you know, the almost 40s like us and, the, you know, you have everybody in between. And yeah. even my kids, you know, my, my kids yeah. are six and four. And, you know, we've watched part of the Clone Wars, Rebels, all that. We've watched the original trilogy. And I, we wouldn't have that wide-ranging gap in gender, you know, reaching of generations without... When, if he had waited longer. I probably wouldn't have been as grabbed by it as I have been if the prequel trilogy didn't come out. And like I know my nephew, he's six, and he's, he's all about Star Wars right now, and that's because I am all about Star Wars. And now that there's this new movie coming out, he's all into it because there's a new movie coming out, and he knows the universe a little bit because of me. But if I hadn't gotten into it, would this next generation get into it? Yeah. I mean, not saying that, you know, that's just one example, one person, two or two people, but that... That could be happening with a lot of different people as well. It's just a big old community. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it definitely like is. Definitely, yeah, is. It really is. Yeah. Also, with the rise of the internet, being able to connect with a large group of people all at once. Yeah. With pop culture nowadays too, I know yes. you're you're big on that too. So, um, John Williams rescored and you know did a lot of uh, did all the scoring for episodes one, two, and three. Um, when the name of the song from the Phantom Menace that was introduced for the first time. Um, Duel of the Duel Fates. Of the Fates, Duel right? Of Fates, yeah. um, w- w- that song just draws you in. That oh, first time when you see Darth Maul just dragging. Mm-hmm. And the chorus just starts. Yeah, yeah. It, with, with the chorus and everything. Um, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. I don't know. It's just something about that song. You haven't seen Star Wars for years and you're watching that prequel and then all of a sudden John still, Williams spits still, out this new song. It, I kind of get goosebumps a little bit. It's yeah. like, I know it's coming. I've oh, yeah. heard it a million times, but I just, that song just resonates with people. And I don't think it would be as level. powerful without that chorus, without the, without the vocals. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. having those people chanting in the background while that's going and while that fight scene is going, I mean, there's something really powerful about that, that, that fight scene. And that's really the first we see of this new lightsaber battles. Yeah. You know, outside of the original trilogy, we get to see, okay, what are lightsaber battles really like in, you know, in the time when there was a lot of Jedis? And it's fast, it's furious, and that, that song goes around along with it perfectly. And that's part of Williams' brilliance is that he can catch you with just a couple of notes. Mm-hmm. With anything. I mean, you've got Jaws. Yeah. Bottom. 
And then the the opening trumpet blasted at you know the the Star Wars fanfare, mm-hmm. and then the the chorus at the beginning of Duel of the Fates. It's just like you know it's Williams. No, yeah, totally. Did you get that that good feeling? Uh, I mean, that's why he got chosen to score the Olympics. Yeah, exactly. now, I mean, the Olympics theme. It's all him. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Jedi, and there being many of them in the prequels. Um, when we were watching Clone Wars, easily one of my favorite scenes was when. Uh, Mace Windu gets up to Dooku and says it's all over now and then every other single Jedi that's there hundreds of them just whip out their lightsabers are like we're here to take everyone down it's like wow (laughs) where was that in episodes 4, 5, and 6 obviously it didn't jive with the story at the time but um, I mean it was I don't know Um, they're all dead half of them die in that battle true well that's one of the reasons why uh, I actually like the old Republic era as well because there are a oh, lot yeah. of Sith there are a lot of Jedi and they're fighting each other always and it's yeah. a constant deal and, and lots of different kinds and lots of different kinds lots of different styles lightsaber styles uh, you know lightsaber colors form styles and that kind of thing and it's mm-hmm. it's really really cool just to see that happening yeah. Uh, but yeah in the original trilogy you, you you have all this talk of you know there are no Jedi or you're the only Jedi or you're the last of the Jedi but in the in the prequel era you know the Jedi are in their heyday yeah you know yeah I still remember when when Phantom Menace got announced and people were doing their fan trailers you know they're creating their own things the first one I remember ever seeing was somebody took footage from Braveheart and it was the scene where they're all running each other at each other across the field and instead of just swords you just CGI, you know, lightsabers in there. I'm like, it's what people want to see is a whole bunch of people with lightsabers running at each other. If there's a character that you can pick from the prequels uh, or episodes four, five, and six from the originals that you would want to see in episode seven um, that have not already been announced, who would you like to see? I don't know if they've announced it because I've been avoiding it, like I said last night, but definitely R2D2. Like, if you watch the Clone Wars, You'll fall in love with R two D two. He's just the most. Well, he's the main star of the entire. Oh yeah, he's the only. He's the only character that has lived and can remember every single movie. Yes. So, like, well, Obi Wan, but he wasn't technically alive for the last ones. But yeah, C three PO was a part of it and a part of all six, but his mind was wiped. Yeah, he got his mind memory wiped at the end of it. Uh, R two D two is the only one that remembers it all. He's lived through it. mm -hmm. But yeah, if you if watch the Clone Wars, if any of you guys have not seen it, definitely do it. It's it's definitely. Top five favorite TV show of all time for me. Okay. But he'll fall in love with R2-D2. So I hope they bring him back because he's just... He's R2-D2. R2-D2. I'm with you. Um, honestly, what I would love to see is... Don't take my answer. And this is... <laughs> I'm going to smack no, Go ahead. That's right. Um, and this is pure conjecture on my part because I've heard nothing about it. Is, um, in my mind, part of the reason you don't see Luke so much is he's kind of hermited or moistened. Yeah. Somewhere kind of like... Obi-Wan, but that he's communing with Force Ghosts. So I would love to see him having conversation with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Anakin and Yoda. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be. So, to answer your question, Liam Neeson. Would, would Hayden Christensen come Liam, back? Liam Neeson's your answer? <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be Anakin or... Um... No, it would be David Prowse. <laughs> okay. Uh, Alright. Being evil... I guess I, you know, as we know, some one person hasn't actually died in its official canon. I would actually like to see Maul again, Maul. personally. Maul would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I didn't finish the Clone Wars. I don't think he died in the Clone Wars. But 
in the animated series, I mean. Uh, How I, would, he, I would love to see. Sorry, oh, go ahead, go he ahead. got cut in half. Yeah. Obviously, we know that. From Cybernetic episode from episode one. Cybernetic spidery legs. Okay. And he's amazing. I hadn't read that expanded universe yet. So. Yeah, you know the, the scene in episode one where um, the Darth Sidious is talking to, um, to the to Nemoidians in the hall, and he's on that little spider walker thing, and he's walking yeah, backwards. Like That's that. basically what Darth Maul looks like, except for it's the top half of his body with little oh. legs underneath him. All right. And they brought him back in the Clone Wars, and I would love, love to see him in 7, 8, 9 or a spinoff. All right. Mostly because also James Lucino wrote a book. I think it's Legends uh, status, but it's called Lockdown. <laughs> it's about basically about Darth Maul going to prison, and it's crazy. Hmm. It's crazy. It's really good. I have to read that. I would love it if they somehow made it to Dathomir, and that's, oh, where, wow. he's been, be cool. and that's where he's been hiding out. Yeah, Back to his home world. Back there, yep. Well, I, I know. Night Sisters. I know um, he's dead, but they do mention Plagueis for a bit, and it'd be cool to see him come back in some weird way. Well, and technically he is dead, but yeah, it would be nice to at least get a mention of him in the in the next ones. I don't know. People are liking flashbacks now. They could flashback to Plagueis. What was Plagueis' role in all of this? He was Palpatine's master. He was Palpatine's master. Yeah, okay. he, um, he orchestrated everything that Palpatine brought to fruition. He was the mastermind behind it. Okay. He, 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 created, he, he came up with the idea, and Palpatine made it work. Yeah, and he, he's actually alive until just before mm-hmm. the Death Star explodes. Yeah, right. well, I, was, exactly. I, was, I was texting Marshall about it, and he, we were talking during the middle of um, the Phantom or Attack of the Clones. Yep. No, the Phantom Minutes. We were, yeah. And he said something about, oh, look, it's Emperor Palpatine. I'm like, no, Dark Lord of the Sith Palpatine. Well, not really, because he's still just an apprentice. And he's like, really? Yeah, yeah and that's what's, that's what's awesome. Until like, we the keep night. talking about how, yeah. how Anakin usurped Dooku mm-hmm. and how Dooku is serving Palpatine, but Palpatine's still serving somebody at that point. Yeah, yeah and, if well, you read, and if you read Darth Plagueis, that novel, although it is technically Legends, you get to see that whole progression of how he eventually... Does what he's supposed yeah, to do it, as a as a Sith apprentice. Yeah, and it actually really explains the midi chlorians and makes mm-hmm. it not campy. Not and lame. it explains that it's it's Plagueis trying to create life from nothing. Shmi. Which and actually they, they kinda hint at it and never actually say it. That's the that it was that it was Palpatine that created Anakin yeah. from nothing. I'd sure love to see Boba Fett. Right. If there's any way that could ever happen magically, <laughs> I honestly think he's going to show up in Rogue One. Yeah, he'll be he'll be on the spinoff. I think for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's getting his own spinoff. Well, he's getting his own. But yeah. yeah. That'll be in five years because it's Rogue One, then yeah. Solo, and then well, Fett. It's right? a Solo and Fett one. Oh, it together. Yeah. Your Django Fett, and you're raising your kid in this whole clone universe. Um, clone and, me? Huh? Clone me. I'm Clone very me. excited about that. Mini me. Yeah, mini me. <laughs> mini me. Okay. Um, and at that point, you see your dad fall. What do you do? You're, you know. That's actually in canon. There's the whole story of what he does after that. Okay. And he, um, well, okay, there's that. When they're watching the pod race, there's that scene where there's that woman with a giant gun on her back, white faced woman, huge ponytail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they. Go off and flesh out her story. Her name's Aura Singh, and um, her and a couple other bounty hunters basically take him in and train him the ways of his father as um, a debt, basically, to Jango Fett. 
they don't really go on to explain why she has a debt or if they were friends or mm-hmm. what that situation is, but he gets raised by this other group of bounty hunters. So, yeah, I'm not familiar with that storyline, but I mean, having him raised as a, as a Mandalorian and all that would be cool. So, and you do get to see that in star Wars rebels. You get to see the young, mm-hmm. um, Sabine, the Mandalorian, um, and you get to see some other folks in in that in the bounty hunter world kind of coming and going, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah, I would also like them to bring in more of the other organizations because basically in the movies you see Jedi, Sith. That's it. Jedi, Sith. I'd like to see Black Sun and Black Sun's a criminal organization that's not the Hut Cartel. And what was the one we just learned about today in the Star Wars Annual? There was the um, the other organization. Or was that in Can- was that in Canaan? We talked about a lot of things today. Which uh, other organization with the You gotta give us more. A little more. With the <laughs> we just read the comic today. The one with the, the spies and the Oh, the spy network on Coruscant. Thank you. <laughs> yes, that would be cool. Teamwork the, right the there. The Bothan spies, who I think are going to be a major part of Rogue One. Oh, really? Um, well, yeah, because the, the whole storyline of Rogue One is the uh, the uh, the acquisition of the Death Star plans by the Bothan spies and the military organization. So, okay. so that's going to be cool. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to Rogue One more than Force Awakens. Hmm. But definitely bring in Black Sun, the criminal organization. Bring in the Mandalorians more. That would have, be awesome. Have Boba actually become Mandalore. That would be cool. That would be. Any questions from the audience? You had one earlier, right? I just, you know, having started with the very first one, having seen that in the theater when it originally came out, it just seemed like the, the prequels were so much more, uh, they just crammed so much more plot into those. Than they, I mean, it's just really a dramatic difference between them. And uh, it almost gets confusing, the first ones, compared to the mm-hmm. Yeah, A New Hope definitely didn't ask you to look into the intricacies of intergalactic trade law. Yeah, the, yeah. the taxation of trade routes. It's like, what? How many times? You know, you're right. It is very intricate and kind of convoluted in the original, in the, in the prequel trilogies, for sure. I mean, the big thing when it came out was you'd never seen anything like that before. You know, space travel, you know, all sorts of things. Yeah. Like, well, um, I know kind of what you're saying is. In in the in the original, they had like one set storyline with one goal, but in the prequels, it was like, oh, there are subplots, and then there are like other storylines and other people trying to achieve other goals, and that's kind of why there's more packed in to the prequels mm-hmm. as opposed to the originals. And they had the technology to do it too. I mean, they, with, with all the CGI, but and it just has some, it has to do with that generation of moviegoers. You have to be exciting or they'll get bored but unlike you know but I agree, I agree I think it is a little bit more of the tail wagging the dog at that point where they kind of the story was so much more than just the movie 
but they couldn't quite figure out how to fit it all in. Yeah. You know, at that point, there were so many other things that have gone on. The EU had gone on for so long. It's like, okay, what do we what do we put into the prequel trilogy? And so you have, you know, the Sidious plot. You have the Jedi. You have the Clone Wars. You have everything. You're trying to fit all this stuff in. And of course, you have to add taxation of trade routes, naturally, as one does. Uh, and you know, it does get kind of it does get kind of crazy. So I, I agree. And that's a, that's actually one thing I did like about the prequels is that they did introduce the the secondary organizations like the banking clan and the trade federation and even though they barely touched on any of them, but you know they exist exactly yeah. And, yeah. and you realize how important they are on the galactic scale, especially when you get to Geonosis and you find out it was the Geonosians who were designing the Death Star, and that's where Plagueis comes from the banking clan too. Yep, he's yes. the leader of Damascus yeah. Holdings. Plagueis came from the banking clan. Mm-hmm. They're talking. We'll all look at them awkwardly and see if they have a question. (laughs) I teach high schoolers every day. It's all good. No worries. (laughs) Talking about episode seven a little bit. I think we did some speculation yesterday, but um, I'd like to put you in the position of director, producer, um, and millions of dollars. Thank you. And 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 writer and all that. So you have complete control over what's happening. Um, Where do you take the story? So it's been since, you know, 2005, since we've had a Star Wars film, and you're really, you're, you know, you got Disney executives, you know, coming down on you hard to come up with a story. Um, what do you do? I would, I'm really biased to this question because I've read so much of the EU that just my mind instantly goes to things that they've done. But I personally, I have complete and utter faith in Kathleen Kennedy and what she's going to do with it. True. Like, I... She was George Lucas's right hand for so long that she's going to be faithful. And before that, Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. She's been. She was a producer on ET. She's she'll she'll do good. Yeah. I had once I found out Disney was buying it. I'm like, oh, look what they did with the Marvel universe. They did a good job. Mm-hmm. And then I found out that not only was Disney taking over, but they were putting Kathleen Kennedy at the head. I'm like, okay, well, the future of this franchise is actually that strong. was also that was part of the agreement that Lucas forced in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, yeah, I agree 100 percent with that. Uh, as far as I mean, you're right. It's hard not to latch on to, you know, I secretly have the name Thrawn in my yeah. head right now and, and things like that. But Or to see Jason or Jason Solo go up oh, against the Usain Vong and see his you know, I mean, that Solo kids and that kind of thing. But I, it's hard to let that kind of stuff go. But going into The Force Awakens you, and being someone who's been part of the Star Wars uh, community for a long time, mm-hmm. whether it be video games, you know, podcasts and stuff like that, I honestly think that you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful in what you do if you're going to reimagine and relaunch going seven and beyond to infinity right now. Yeah. If you're going to give us a Star Wars movie every year, you have to be very careful. That means you have to placate to every generation. You have to meet everybody's expectations on some level, and you have to not forget what it's like to be a Star Wars fan. And I think that's why I have 100% faith in Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're starting to hear some of the um, actors have seen the film, and they're starting to say, yeah, it's really good, it's good, it's good. I just saw an interview with uh, Carrie Fisher today. Um, she was on some other show talking about the film, but I think you have to make sure you don't forget the fans and just be I'm going to make this movie, and I think that's what happened with the prequels a little bit. Yeah, you know, Lucas said, look, I'm going to make this movie the way I, wanted, I envisioned it, but he forgot that there were you know, generations of Star Wars fans waiting to see what he was going to do next. And 
I think you just have to be careful. And I think, but if you do it right, especially with episode seven, it's, I mean, it's already going to make a jillion dollars, but I mean, yeah. uh, I think it can be more successful and, and really make a place in every generation's fans. Yeah. Well, by that same token, though, you have to, you know, understand that you can't make everybody happy. So you're no, you going to make will. somebody mad. Not in the age of the internet. Yeah, no. So, so you kind of do have to not be scared to slightly jump out of the comfort zone what everyone wants because yeah. you might come up with something amazing. Yeah, I think they they are doing it exactly right because the first thing they absolutely had to do was to go with what happens next because that way you can age out the other actors yeah. um, and placate our generation and older um, because if you decide to do something else first and you don't get to them till they're 80... That's not going to work. No. Um, so they're they're going to age them out in this new this next trilogy. But interplacing interspacing in that is some origin stories. So the acquisition of the Bothan spies and or the, the plans by the Bothan spies and and Han origin stories are huge right now. Mm-hmm. I think once they finish the trilogy, then they can start going off into the far reaches of the timeline, like the Old Republic. Or outside of the galaxy, like Yuuzhan Vong or Thrawn or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But they definitely have to tie up the original trilogy, which they still haven't done yet. Well, I I know they haven't really said much about it, but I hope that they do kind of hold legends. You know, everything that that's happened so far in the ex- the expanded universe. I kind of hope that they, you know, give a couple nods here and there, and they don't just throw it all away, which they're not planning on doing. Yeah, I know. no, what I think is brilliant, the way that they've treated Legends, is when it happened, a whole bunch of EU fans were like, oh, they're just throwing it out into the trash bin. Me. Right? Uh, I don't think so. Me. I basically think I they mad. built a really good library and they just put everything on the shelf mm-hmm. and they can pick and choose what they want. I, um, I, I have to admit, I lost a little faith in Star Wars for about two months because of that, until I realized what was going on. I was like, well, what's the, what yeah, was the point I, of I me do. spending three years, four years, however long I spent exclusively reading Star Wars novels. Yeah, I think they were really bad at detailing the reason why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think once people grasp that it's just becoming a database of story content that they can pull from bits and pieces at a time and just mix and match to make everything better, Yeah, it's fine. And, and, and I think that you're right. At some point, you know, spinoff number eight, nine, mm-hmm. why not go back to Bane? Why not go to Thrawn? Why not? I mean, at that point, they can't go wrong and then they can you know, make sure that the fans who have read exclusively EU novels in between uh, get what they want as well. Well, yeah, because there's just so many brilliant characters like Mara Jade and... Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, or my, my personal favorite from the Clone Wars is Imbo. You know, the, the bounty hunter with the, the big, oh, some, yeah. like, western hat, which they... Oh, Cad Bane? No, no. Cad Bane had the sombrero, but Imbo had that, that metal, like, mushroom-looking hat. Oh, and he'd use, right, right, he used right. it as, a, as a, like, a slide at one point. He uses, like, a like Captain America shield. <laughs> like, awesome. Embo. I, I love that guy. <laughs> so, you know, going, going back to that, you know, that, you asked what I'd bring back into the, the new movies. I'd definitely... I'd, I'd bring him into it. Okay. And Alderaan. Yeah. yeah. We got to see it for, like, two seconds. Yeah. Until it blows up. Well, that'd be kind of cool, too. Yeah. That's cool. Um... When the first trailer for Star Wars 7 came out, I, it came out over Thanksgiving break last year, and I immediately wrote a lesson plan on how to break it down with my class. And the Good biggest job. topic of discussion was the cross-guard lightsaber. Um, what are your thoughts 
on that because there was a lot of you know the media it was it was exploded on media for at least a good week and colbert put it perfectly in my opinion he did, he, did a good job. Um, he, he basically said it's it's you're you're a bad mother trucker like if you have cross guards on a sword and it, um, it looks cool well, it's um, been in star wars before <laughs> and it's now legends it's no longer canon but there have been cross guards on lightsabers yeah. in the past so my thought uh and I know I might get a little flack here. I'm, a, I'm actually kind of a bigger fantasy fan than I am a sci-fi fan. Uh, and to me, this is a perfect uh, uh, meeting of the two. Mm-hmm. It's almost like you have a giant broadsword lightsaber. Yeah. And that's how I think of it. I mean, swinging that thing around like, an old, like a knight would, a, a sword as tall as them. I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all in. Well, I agree. You agree? Okay. <laughs> well, like, All right. It kind of goes. I mean, they were talking earlier about organizations, and and he he briefly mentioned you know lightsaber forms and everything. But if you go through back to the expanded universe, I mean, we see in, in episode one we see Darth Bane light up his double-bladed lightsaber, and I remember when I first saw that, I was like, oh my god, that's amazing! That's it's not just a sword. But there's all these other different types of lightsabers. I mean, you have you have the, the Tonto Grip lightsaber, like Ahsoka uses, and then you have um, like Maris Brood. I don't remember what they call it, but the it kind of looks like a police baton lightsaber. She has right. two of those, and then Lumia, she has her light whip. And my favorite is actually in the the newest trailers. You see uh, when Boyega gets all of the lightsaber, and he uh, starts going at it with a, with a, a trooper, and the troopers rifle blaster rifle extends and it turns out it's got a, a lightsaber extension on the end and he starts going to battle with boy and i'm like ah. like a little bayonet lightsaber yeah. <laughs> i mean i haven't seen that. you know and then you have the curved hilt lightsabers like bane used mm-hmm. and uh dooku uh used as well and you know there's a lot of things you can bring in i i would never exclude any lightsaber weapon ever well, I love in the uh, in the legends um, you have the Jedi Academy where Luke is rebuilding a Jedi te- a Jedi Academy on Yavin, and one of his first recruits builds his own lightsaber because that's part of the becoming a Jedi, mm-hmm. and he creates it so it can uh, vary in length, shorten in length, then yeah, by putting that's an sick. extra lightsaber crystal in there. And so when he first battles, when he starts sparring with Luke, and all of a sudden he's like he parries him, and then he extends the length, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Luke was like, "What the heck just happened?" Yeah. Well, there was—I don't remember—I don't remember where it was, where I was reading, whether it was a comic or, or, or there was a novel. But there was this one fight, and I—I I wish I could find it again because it was—it was pretty epic. But these two, these two people were dueling with their lightsabers. Then all of a sudden, you know, they're they're their swords across, and they're like trying to get the upper hand. And all of a sudden, one of them turns their lightsaber off. And just goes ahead and beheads the other guy. I kind, of, I, I think it was in one of the Darth Bane novels. It could have been. I think it was. I mean, that's just like it's the same sort of thing, just unexpected. So you can do anything you want with a lightsaber, and you just have at it, have fun with it. Yeah. A weapon's a weapon, and it's just it's all good fun. Agreed. Um, Kylo Ren seems to be probably the the main villain for for Episode Seven, and I know there's some extended universe on this guy, from what I've heard. Have I, so I, I am I incorrect with that or no? He's completely no, he's created for as far as I know. That's all brand new. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe I'm mistaking him for someone else. So, and I honestly don't think he is the ultimate baddie. No, um, I just think he's the he's, he's the, the guffin. Yeah. He's the pawn. Yeah, 
Okay. Well, in, the, in the interview with him uh, that came out recently, I don't know if I mentioned this last night, but he was saying how, you know, how do you get into the role as the villain? He's like, well, I didn't look at myself as the villain. You know, I, I looked at myself, you know, you basically have to see your goal and you have to, and that's what, going back to our conversation from last night, it's we all make our decisions and we all interpret the world differently. So, yeah. you know, his goal is obviously very, obviously counter to what the heroes want, yep. but does that necessarily make him a villain? Uh, depends it's all a certain point of view right yeah and i think it's it what supports that is two specific things one is in the trailers he obviously identifies heavily with vader and that just shows that he's not the ultimate person you know he's being controlled by somebody higher up but also in in uh revenge of the sith there at the end when uh uh, Obi-Wan and, and Anakin are fighting and he goes, you're evil. And he goes, well, in my view, the Jedi are evil. It's all from a certain point of view. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know. I, If I were in this universe and I was Force-sensitive and I was choosing sides, I'd totally be a Sith. Because... You and me both. And that has nothing to do with like choosing good or evil. But in my opinion, this is the way I, I view the Force, is the Jedi, they can't use any emotions to fuel their... They have just like find their their center and just be calm and rational i'm not i get mad you know i I, i'm compassionate but you can as a sith as using the dark side you can not just use the negative emotions you can use you know love and compassion and hope and you know willpower they don't ever specifically say that but you can actually feel them is what you're saying yeah yeah you can feel them you can use them like you can like anakin could have used his love for padme to feel his force and they don't necessarily have to do evil things they always do but whatever it's like he said it's like he said in clones Attack of the Clones mm-hmm. when she says well can a Jedi love and he goes well you know I consider like compassion that's the unconditional love and yeah but so could potentially Palpatine have seen everything that he does as the right and proper thing to do besides I mean obviously he wanted the power but could that have come during his journey like could he have used all this stuff all these other emotions to you know fuel his force well i honestly think he doesn't care about good or evil his ultimate goal is to live forever yeah and every single decision is in service of that Mm -hmm. well then that's when the light and dark don't really matter but in order to accomplish something like i'm going to live forever you're going to have to do a lot of dark things and that's why he would obviously be interpreted as evil and he is you know ultimately evil yeah. but he does have that singular purpose mm-hmm. but yeah he sees goal and goes for it though he's pretty good at it yeah. for the most part any last little questions from the audience yes no all right well i think I'm, I'll, I'll leave it with one last question we can um kind of just a, a looking forward to coming next thursday and friday um Saturday. what are you most excited about if you had to pick one thing what are you most in, you know what are you most excited about coming up for episode seven i can't wait to hear the opening fanfare we're not going to hear fox fanfare which is going to be totally weird i'm not seeing the fox logo with the dun, 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 dun. we're going to see the castle with the <laughs> oh, it'll be disney oh, yeah i'm actually right. i'm actually hoping it's going to be because they, they always change the castle depending on the movie mm-hmm. so i'm hoping it's the castle and then it's just a lightsaber drawing the that'd be cool the the rainbow over but then the the opening the duh, with the scroll mm-hmm. yep. that's a new, a new scroll to read yeah that would, yeah i i'm two things one i'm excited to see when i cry first is it <laughs> at the opening fanfare or is it when the thing that some of us think might happen happens 
Um, but honestly, it's it's. I want to see what's going on with Luke. I want to see what's going on with the characters that I I have missed for all this time. Yeah. You know, and I want to see what they do with the story. So I'm most excited to see what Luke's been doing when he enters when he when he comes onto the screen. Like I said last night, Han Solo is my favorite character, but. I'm more intrigued to see really what's going on with Luke and yeah. what his connection is to these kids um, and what the world looks like now. I'm, I'm, I couldn't be more excited. Yeah, I mean, they don't just have the story they're going to be telling. They've got 30 years to catch up on to at least touch on. Yeah, yeah have to. Um, well, you know, obviously, besides the excitement of a new Star Wars movie and just the, the giddiness and the fanboyness, I think for me, the biggest thing is, well, like, like you just said, the 30 years they need to catch up on. But after... They win the Battle of Endor, and the Rebel Alliance takes charge of the galaxy. What have they done with it? What sort of government have they put in place? How does it affect the rest of the galaxy? You know, or is it just going back to a new republic, or has it broken off into like have the separatists come back around? And, and is there other two or three different heads of governments around in the world? That's the kind of that's what I want to see. Like, what lore have they built around what they're now doing? Can I add one more randomly? Yeah. Uh, evolution of lightsaber battles. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see how that goes. How I mean, yeah. As far as the cross uh, crossblade lightsaber, uh, you know, and Boyega's character fighting the trooper, I can't wait to see what the lightsaber battles are. So, sorry, man. Go ahead. Oh, no. If, if I was, was going to be excited about anything, I guess it would be the unknown because I tried to not think about it in any way, shape, or form besides the <laughs> fact that it's coming on Thursday. So it's like that, like, Kid like giddy excitement for mm-hmm. just like I have no idea what this is gonna be. Just rushing head first. So, mm. well, yeah. I'm seeing it on my birthday. That's my birthday present to myself. Happy so. birthday. That's nice. gonna be. That's my birthday's Tuesday. Nice. Yeah, his like, birthday's on Tuesday. Yeah, mine's, well, mine's Saturday. So I'm gonna go. I'm go Happy birthday, guys. And just yeah, that's since they announced it, mm-hmm. like the the release time. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I've got it. I'm doing this for myself for nobody else. I'm not gonna go with anybody. I'm just gonna have a blast by myself so i'm kind of excited for that awesome have a have a, a happy star wars birthday man. thank you thank yeah. you that's oh, definitely cool well thank you again for coming out and uh you know thank i hope you. that this was a a well well worth trip coming down south to seven yeah. miles um and i hope you guys can come hang out with us again sometime Absolutely. um would love, to have, would love to have you on student power radio i know zeff and tito might might want to try and drag you guys down sometime so let us know i love to talk uh, okay. so let me know cool sweet thanks again for having us hey, awesome thank, thank you. you guys appreciate it